Hey, I'm Chandler Riggs, a.k.a. Carl from The Walking Dead, a.k.a. PJ from My Own Little Things, and you are listening to Below the Belt. Wow, that, that was first awesome! Take. First take right. The improv <laughs> stuff's paying off. <laughs> that, that training, man. Uh, we're looking for hey. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the Bad Boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> I have an incredible past couple days in New York City. Um, I got to tell you, um, but let's go ahead and welcome. That's right. Back as guest co-host tonight. Actor extraordinaire you can see in The Good Lord Bird, Wonder Woman 1984, and an upcoming series that we cannot mention yet. He is the one and only Vinnie Mac, Vince Eisenson, back on BTB. BTB, what's up, baby? It's good to be back. <laughs> Vinny Mac, it's good to have you back, man. Thank you so much. Always good to be back. Yes, yes. yes so indeed. this is a special show I wanted uh, to you be a part of, Vince, because during our Thanksgiving break, which we certainly needed it, my God, mm-hmm. we recorded an amazing interview with the beautiful, the talented, um, gosh, the amazing... Annette Mahendra from The Walking Dead, World Beyond, and also The Americans, and uh, my God. Sally Pachalak, you name it. Sally Pachalak, so many other great credits. Um, We had an amazing interview. She literally just gave birth uh, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then did our show. So Off um, camera, yeah. Off camera, yeah. So uh, I think it's amazing that that we were able to get Annette Mahendra. That's going to be our special featured interview. A little later in the program, which is pretty exciting, but we also have an amazing show. Um, first, we're going to bring on a little later in the program, a friend of yours, Vince. He's an actor, speaking of The Walking Dead World Beyond, yeah. he worked on as one of the CRM officers. He also um, he also has a role in the upcoming HBO's We Own the City, and it's Victor Dobro, right? Victor Dobro. I believe that is his stage name. We'll have to ask okay. him when he gets on, but I think that's it. Victor Dobro. Victor Dobro will be joining us on BTB. And another co-host to join us a little later, but we do have another celebrity guest joining us. Annette Mahendra's amazing. Yeah. Let's not, let's not get it <laughs> twisted. But we actually have another celebrity guest joining us a little later in the program. So he's got a ton of credits, over 75 TV shows and movies. 
He's going to be appearing in the upcoming STX feature film called National Champions, starring J.K. Simmons, Timothy Olyphant, Uzo Aduba, Kristen Chenoweth, the list goes on and on. He's also appeared in the Showtime series Yellow Jackets, also um, in Shameless, and also in Don Cheadle's Black Monday. A lot of great roles uh, for this particular actor, and he is Tony Winters. Will be Tony joining us. Winters will be joining us on BTB. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, a little later in the program, we'll be re- welcoming Tony to Blue Belt Show. But um, before we get into that, I guess I do have to mention. Um, I'd say it had. Uh, I'd say a fairly good time in New York City. Would that be fair to assume? Uh, I, based on the photos, I would yeah. definitely assume that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all, this guy have, gets around. I gotta, I gotta thank this. I gotta, I gotta thank first of all and foremost, SAG-AFTRA. Being in the union is just one of the. It's just it's a privilege and an honor to be a part of this actors' union because not only, you know, the union, you know, protects you, it gives you fair wages and all that. You get to go to some amazing events, and mm-hmm. um, thanks to SAG-AFTRA, got to go to um, starting out with Squid Games screening and Q and A. With director Wang Dong Yuk, um, the actor Lee Jung Jae, and the amazing Yohan Jung. Um, and um, Lee, of course, is the protagonist uh, from Squid Game. And Yo, Yo, uh, Ho Yun is uh, number 67, Sebok. Um, she's also a supermodel. She's been on the cover of Vogue and, and just made her ways. And one thing I didn't know prior to meeting them that. Uh, Ho Yen is, is fluent in English. Um, she lived she lived in New York and she was pursuing a modeling career. Um, hmm. So she's fluent in Korean and English. So um, we started out with a panel. Interestingly enough, the only one that spoke English was Ho Yen Jung, while everyone else was speaking Korean and they had a, uh, a Korean translator on stage that translated everything to English for the audience. Um, so that Q&A was... Um, was after uh, a screening of episode six. That was the oh, man, the very powerful, very very dark um, um, part of the um, show where um, the the game players choose um, their partner in teams of two. Little did they know that the players were playing against each other, not as a team. So that ended up being very tragic for a lot of people. Um, Vince, I know you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but, sorry. Uh, I, I'm like the last remaining that's Netflix okay. viewer who hasn't seen Squid Game. Yeah, so 1.5 billion have seen it. And I think you're you're one of the other billion that hasn't. But yeah, in the world. So. <laughs> the, clue, <laughs> but, the clueless billion, yeah. But <laughs> I don't know how many people are in the world. What's Who's left, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, that's crazy numbers. 1.5 billion uh, viewers for yeah. for Squid Game. Um, so um, it did the man that party, Vince. That was open bar. <laughs> it was past the derps, and it wasn't those open bars with just the wine and the beer. They had liquor. I mean, mm. they it was stacked. Um, was it like I, good Korean food or derps? No, they didn't go with the theme uh, with oh, Korean okay. food. So it was your typical American or those, but they were delicious. They were absolutely delicious. Uh, took place at the Whitby Hotel. Um, in addition, um, thanks to our friend and colleague, Gina Jun, um, got to go to In Treatment, uh, HBO's um, series starring Uzo Aduba 
And the um, episode that I saw also um, featured Joel Kinnaman. It's a great oh, cool. actor. Yeah. Um, th- that screening also followed a Q&A and a, a reception. Uzo not in attendance. Not in what? Attendance. Yeah. Damn. Like, what the heck, right? <laughs> I'm like, was the, like, who was there? Like, the director? <laughs> so, in attendance was Uzo Aduba, but she didn't hang out for the reception. I see. A little bummed out about that, but see, no fear on that. Because better things are yet to come, right? Um, just a quick um, side note. I'm wearing a Stranger Things sweatshirt. I got to stop by. Um, remember, you were on the show that I talked about pop-ups in New York City. One mm-hmm. is a pop-up store featuring Stranger Things, which had a lot of really cool um, you know, props uh, from the show. Like um, a lot of – basically, it was almost like a mini museum um, oh, okay. in, in the guise of, of a merchandise store. Um, of just just very very thematic um, aspects of that store right right in the middle of Midtown Manhattan. Um, so I had to pick up a Stranger Things a sweatshirt. It was very cool. Highly recommend it. Also got to stop by the Amazon Prime pop up. Basic basically Jeff Bezos took over uh, Bryant Park. Uh, Bryant Park has the roller rink and I'm sorry uh, has the ice rink and um, it's. It's a great market and, and park if you haven't been. Um, lots of great um, food venues as well. But um, a place called The Lodge, uh, at, one point in, uh, at one part of the Bryant Park, um, had just Amazon Prime um, displays promoting mm-hmm. some of their upcoming shows, which is cool. Okay. Um, some signature drinks, you know, um, um, patterned after some of your favorite Amazon shows as well. Oh. Um in addition, I got to check out the screening Q&A of Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, man, Vince, this was a phenomenal, phenomenal film. It's available on Netflix. We got to see the screen at the SVA Theater, followed uh, by a Q&A with the one and only Lin-Manuel Miranda. Nice. Um, nice. And if you didn't know, Lin never directed a feature film before. You know, um, he's... Wow. What, it, what had he directed? I guess he directed stage. He, he directed stage. Yeah. And he wrote for stage. Sure. You know, and he performed on stage, but he never directed a feature film. So this was his first. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I got to say, he did a phenomenal job. Andrew Garfield played Jonathan Larson, the um, creator of Rent and and the other Broadway play, Tick, Tick, Boom, which the um, film is named after. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... Uh, it really resonated with me that movie. And what's you know? the what's the Sondheim connection? The Sondheim connection is because, um, and rest in peace, um, Stephen Sondheim, um, one of the legends in theater and musical theater, who had sadly passed away. But Sondheim uh, was played by Bradley Whitford in Tick Tick Boom. Bradley oh, Whitford he's a character. Sondheim. Okay, I see. He's a character. Sondheim uh-huh. was actually instrumental in getting Jonathan Larson played by Andrew Garfield uh, to the next step in his career to mm. supposedly they had meetings and um, he took an interest in Jonathan Larson's work after a showcase and okay. you know, show, showcasing his uh, play. And uh, wow. It's, it's crazy because Lin-Manuel was talking during the Q and a, he was saying how he just got off the phone with, with Steven Sondheim, like, like a week before that panel, because he, you know, Steven just recently it's passed crazy. away. Yeah. Yeah. And another interesting trivia that Lynn revealed in the Q&A is that Stephen Sondheim um, was the voice behind uh, a voicemail that was played during the movie. 
<laughs> Sondheim actually recorded that voicemail message himself. So, nice, nice. Um, yeah, it's it's um, the theater uh, world is definitely mourning uh, yeah. Stephen Sondheim. In addition, of course, uh, Jonathan Larson, they revealed that, you know, he died young, um, wasn't even able, able to see the success of Rent. Um, exactly. uh, he died um, on uh, like opening night, didn't he? Yeah. Or like 30, yeah. 35 years old from a heart issue. It's crazy. Which is which is absolutely crazy. <clears throat> so. You know, I figured, you know, that was already cool enough that I went to all those things in New York, right? You, One would think I did enough, right? You did enough. Go to the Port Authority, get and a get bagel, get out. on the bus and go home. Yeah, yeah, come on. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> Yours truly <laughs> got to attend the 2021 Gotham Awards, bitch. Holy smokes. What? It was uh, an incredible, <laughs> incredible show. It was great to be amongst our our colleagues, our, our 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 mentors, people that we look look up to in the industry, yeah. um, and the thing about the Gotham Awards, it's all about um, films under a thirty-five million dollar budget mm-hmm. that need to get noticed in um, during award season because oh, yeah. a lot of these films do get overlooked. So that was like, like for instance, Tick Tick Boom with Lin Manuel Miranda didn't qualify because it was over thirty-five million. Oh, the heart, sure. yeah, okay. exactly. Harder they fall. Same with harder they fall. The power of the dog. Some of those um, particular um, films did not um, did not qualify. But um, yeah, after watching that amazing uh, amazing award show, we'll talk about some of the winners. But uh, I got to mingle with some people. I got to work with um, Asia Kate Dillon. Yes, nice, nice. Yes, from Billions on Billions. Showtime. Um, she plays. An you think they character. could come on this show? You think? I would love to get them on. I think that's something we could work on. Hopefully, we can um, make that happen. I think we, yeah. we got to make it happen. Um, so Asia K had a different look than what you were used to seeing on um, on Billions. Hmm. Um, they had a very glamorous look, um, makeup. Um, they look really. They, they look great. I mean, I was like, because on the show she portrays a very different type of character, more androgynous, you know. Yes, so yes. Um, also. Uh, one of the big winners at Gotham Awards was uh, The Lost Daughter. And, of course, that was directed by Maggie Chillenhall. Mm-hmm. Um, it starred Olivia Coleman and Dakota Johnson. Wow. Olivia Coleman was not in attendance, but yours truly got to mingle, got to hang out with <laughs> uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Dakota Johnson. Yes. Oh, son of a gun. <laughs> I think you saw those photos I posted on uh, I on social media. Yeah, that was quite uh, awesome. I also got to meet a legendary actor in Frankie Faison. Frankie Faison's oh, yeah. known for The Wire. He's known for his role in Banshee. Um, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, quite the veteran actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. I actually talked to him about coming to America. That I, I told him that was one of my, my favorite roles of his because, uh, you know, he played that landlord that oh this place is a real shithole yeah <laughs> i made him crack up i talked about that <laughs> then i was like did did they did they reach out to you frankie about working on the on coming we own the city america oh, oh no we own the, city, but I... the, the sequel yeah and surprisingly he said they didn't reach out i'm like Sounds wow like wow you know it's like why wouldn't they use one of like the most successful actors from uh the coming to america um film franchise to, to come yeah. back but uh but uh, interestingly enough, Frankie Faison and Olivia Coleman tied for outstanding lead performance. Um, Olivia Coleman, of course, the lead in The Lost Daughter. 
and Frankie Faison, lead actor in The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. Uh, was not su- expecting a surprise, but you know, I have a feeling they might have went for the tie because mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman couldn't be there in person. I and that's see. The, and that's one of the bigger words. I don't know. It's just speculation on my part, you know? Well, I noticed, you know, I don't want to spoil ahead, but it yeah. seems like they went with the gender neutral categories and then there were a fair amount of ties. I'm wondering if they were trying to like. Yeah. So that's a, the thing. Yes. That's funny. You mentioned that, um, Vincent. Um, they actually went for the gender neutral um, actor categories this year. And I think several other popular award shows are going to follow suit. Um, but they had outstanding lead performance and then they had outstanding supporting performance. And um, the winner of that was actually Troy Kotsur from Coda. Amazing okay. film. I was lucky to good? check out. Okay. I checked out Coda as a part of the Sundance Virtual in 2020. It was a completely hmm. virtual festival at the time. I'm looking forward to um, watching again. It is available on Apple TV. But um, Troy um, won the award against other nominees, including Coleman Domingo in Sola, Gabby Hoffman in Come On, Come On, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Reed Burney in Mass, and his own co-star, um, Marley Matlin in Coda, and Ruth Nega in Passing. Hmm. Speaking of Passing... <laughs> Got to see, uh, talk to Ruth, and uh, not only Ruth, but her co-star, the beautiful, amazing Tessa Thompson. Mm. And what's cool, Vince, is that blow the ball show listeners know that I met Tessa at Sundance 2020 and got an amazing interview with her on the carpet. Her manager was standing right next to Tessa. I was like, yeah, I interviewed at Sundance 2020. Her her manager says, yes, I remember. And that nice. kind of was like okay. a cool connection, you know? There you go. So I'm talking to Tessa, right? And she's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, I get the photo op. She was very gracious to stop and talk with me, which is amazing. And another cool thing, talking to Ruth. Ruth actually worked with our friend Christopher Mann from the hmm. feature film that we worked on, um, What Death Leaves Behind. Christopher Mann played Ruth Nega's father in the movie Loving. So oh, that was okay. my name drop to Ruth to kind of talk with Ruth. And Ruth was like, please give Christopher my love. So shout out to Christopher Mann. Look at you, man. You're impacting a lot of people anywhere, uh, everywhere you work. Um, incredible actor Christopher Mann is, but uh, it, was, it was great to meet Ruth. Um, and uh, I mean, but we're really quick going back to, uh, to uh, um, The Lost Daughter. Dakota Johnson, man. I mean, <laughs> she... She she has been one of my top crushes for quite some time, and I was lucky enough to meet her uh, during the Peanut Butter Falcon SAG screening. But oh, to, cool to run into her again and, and to t- chat with her and and just to just to, to be in her presence again was just I mean I gotta be honest I was a little, I was fanboying <laughs> out I'm a big fan of Dakota. Um, now I mean she ha- she did happen to be in a trilogy that you know a lot of people saw and yes, uh, it left. But- an impression on a lot of people. Yes. So, I was kind of hard 50, to forget that. I was saying Fifty Shades with Soto personally when I was. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to give a shout out to uh, our buddy Ryan Wick, who actually posted a very funny meme. Um, you know, the popular meme where there's a guy and his girlfriend and the guy's distracted by uh, another girl walking away. And then the girlfriend gets upset that the guy's uh, is checking out another woman. Anyways, Ryan put me as Al Soto as the guy, um, the jealous girlfriend as celebrity selfie 
and the girl I'm checking out as next celebrity selfie. So I, <laughs> I gotta give it credit. He kind of he kind of nailed that one. <laughs> yeah, that's. It. I think is there a world record for most celebrity sel- selfies? Wow, because I think I, you might be in competition there. Wow, I might have to uh, look that one up, Vince. That's a very good, uh, very good thing. <laughs> and it didn't end there. Um, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek talked to him really briefly. I asked him since. Uh, Schitt's Creek is no longer in contention for uh, for the best comedy series. Um, who, which comedy do you think will uh, make waves? And he said Insecure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Like, oh, let me think. Oh, I got to put them all in front of me. I'm like, uh, ah, Insecure. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so there you go, man. Yeah, um, that okay. was my New York, um, you know, um, last few days uh, experience. And uh it was pretty cool, Vince. I got to say, it was pretty, pretty damn cool. So, were you living it up, uh, you know, staying at the Marriott or did you? Have- yeah, yeah. I stayed at the, at the Hilton, you know, Ooh, Hilton. Okay. Hilton, the Hilton Garden Inn um, on on uh, 33rd Street. So, in a great location. And uh, nice. it was just good to just to relax and just check out. I checked out the big tree at Rockefeller Center, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so you know, so got got to squeeze all of that in, in in three days. So definitely very happy. So, uh, but yeah, we got lots of stuff to talk about in the world of entertainment, man. So we already started talking about entertainment. But why not play the theme music again, right? There you go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, that's Joel and our boys. Good Charlotte. A brand new Matrix Resurrections trailer just dropped. Um, not as as lengthy um as the initial trailer, but um it was titled Deja Vu, and uh, basically um it opens up with Carrie Ann Moss Trinity from 1999's Matrix, uh with a deja vu is usually a glitch in the matrix that happens when they change something and it's followed by a series of split screen images that overlay with eerie precision um, from previous matrix movies and the new resurrections um, movie, um, which will be the next big box office smash, no doubt. So definitely looking forward to the matrix resurrection. Um, and of course for our, you know, we're all theater you're nerds here. Uh, West Side Story. Uh, yes, Steven yes. Dennis, and we just talked about Steven Sondheim. Um, that's his that's his production, West Side Story. But Steven Spielberg, um, as you know, is, has directed uh, West Side Story. Um, they just had their red carpet premiere in New York. Um, that's one event I, I missed, I guess. Vince. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was included with all the cast. Ansel Elgert, Rachel Zegler. Ariana DeBossi and Mike Faced. Um, but they kind of dedicated um, the premiere uh, to Stephen Sondheim, which nice. clearly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Saying that his amazing lyrics for West Side Story first put him, put him on the map and launched a career that would completely redraw that map, reinvent the musical uh, and the theater, and create a body of work that beyond any doubt is as immortal as anything made by a mortal could be. Um, those are very, very, very um, truthful and um, poignant words. 
Um, so yeah, that was um, that's another big movie coming out. But um, let's. So we were off last week, but uh, one of the biggest movies um, dropped last week, and that was Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I know King of Eighties, Chachi McFly, who um, <clears throat> sadly couldn't be with us tonight. He initially was going to be with us, but um, he will be with us next week. Um, I knew he wanted to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, but just to talk a little bit about it. It this is the way. A sequel movie should be done, Vince. Um, if you're taking a property that's popular from the past mm-hmm. and want to um, create a new movie based on that film and not reboot it, because this one, you know, paid homage, paid the yes. pop- proper respect to the previous Ghostbuster films, um, Afterlife nailed it. Um, it was great to see, um, you know, the original cast returning. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Sans um, Howard Ramis, who sadly passed away. But uh, if it's okay to talk a little spoilerish um, things, um, uh, Howard Ramis was there in spirit, literally. Oh, they brought his corpse onto they, the. They, uh... they they brought his ghost back. Oh, his ghost. Okay. His ghost. Yes. Yes. Egon. <laughs> Egon returned Sweet. in the form of a ghost. So I knew that probably took a lot of. Um, CG and probably similar to what they did with Peter Cushing, Peter uh, Cushing, and, and yeah. yep, in Rogue One and, and and Princess Leia in Rogue One and 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 um, Princess Leia in the new sequel oh, trilogy after she passed. Okay. Very similar technology uh, hmm. to create that ghost of Egon. Um, that pretty much in the final act, um, him alongside original Ghostbusters. Uh, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd—they um, assist in defeating um, the monster, the main big bad in the Act ah. Three of Ghostbusters. Um, this was Gozer the Gozarian, the ancient <laughs> Sumerian god who tried to spark an apocalypse in the uh, 1984 film. So, just interesting mm-hmm. enough, Gozer the Gozarian um, apparently was played by Olivia Wilde, but she was uncredited. What? In she was uncredited. I was reading that she was played by two people. Um, one was Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I guess they had okay. another actress doing the motion capture. Um, and then they had like Olivia's face. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's what it was. Um, but um, man, had, that this movie had all the feels, Vincent. I Did mean, this have um? Wait, so I didn't see this one or the the Melissa McBride one. Did they ignore no, that? The thing Mr. Bride film, you completely throw in the garbage. But okay. I think we have somebody we need to introduce, right? Yeah. yeah. Just join us here on BTV? Yeah, I just got, got back. I was on the road. Oh, okay. So let's go ahead and introduce him, guys. He is actor extraordinaire. He's seven foot tall almost. He's the one and the only Paul Darth Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. <laughs> hey, Darth Wallace. Good to have you back on BTB. We're just talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife and how we, yeah, you saw it. We just, we're just talking about how it really paid homage, paid respect to the original films that a lot of sequels films. So much better than the uh, Melissa, uh, the Melissa McBride, Kate McKinnon. Um, yeah. yeah, that was complete garbage. That movie, Vince, did not tie into the original movies at all. In fact, they had some of the original actors coming back and playing completely different characters. As cameos, mm. and it's just Bill Murray. How can you kill Bill Murray? Completely, what? yeah, completely, oh, completely missed the mark, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but this Moon movie was completely 
just just the awesome. breath of fresh air, wasn't it? Wasn't it great? And and there's good ending to it too. I don't want to give it away, but it is awesome. Yes. Oh well, we we before you joined us, uh, Darth Paul, we did we did discuss the ending about. Oh yeah, um, okay. You did. Yeah, we did. We did just discuss the ending. Yeah. Hal Ramis's Egon comes back in spirit, and it's funny because we say in spirit, it really means literally in spirit as. <laughs> As, well, uh, you know I, I think that's the original script they wanted. Because, I mean, I heard him and uh, Dan Ackford originally had a script where it was going to be Bill Murray would have been the ghost to help them out. So they just flipped uh, Bill Murray with uh, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Oh, okay. Uh, I think. But, I mean, but, but what I heard was Bill Murray was going to be dead and he was going to help them uh, defeat the okay. main ghost. So I so assume they that just, they just they they switched the characters. It. Swap the characters because Harold D- Ramis sadly passed away in real life. Yes. Okay, so that's what happened there. So, um, interesting enough, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife um, no longer is the number one movie. So, so the box office, the top of the box office, guys, um, is Encanto, Disney's latest animated film, which maybe oh, Vince, Vince will be taking oh. the kids to, perhaps. Maybe, 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 yeah. <laughs> is it included um, on a streaming service, or do I have to pay for it? Uh, this, um, you know what? I, I think it might be available on Disney Plus for a premium. No, then I won't no, be seeing it. You'll, you'll okay. be passing on that one, <laughs> right? Um, so, well, the family—it's based on a family living in a magical mountain village in Colombia, uh, mm. featuring the voice of Stephanie Beatrice and songs by Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, currently has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, runner-up movie is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, um, I still that, think Ghostbusters would be ahead of that, but I mean, it is. Yeah. Disney, so. Well, the the opening weekend was last weekend, so I, usually people are going to see the new movie, but Ghostbusters uh, previously wasn't a number one spot. And um, yeah, for the third, fourth, and fifth uh, place is House of Gucci, Eternals. And Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, round up your top five. I saw Eternals, we talked about Eternals quite a bit, but House of Gucci, um, I really would love to see. I mean, it's got an amazing cast of either Oscar nominated or Oscar Oscar winning actors. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. It looks it's, fun. It looks a little maybe cheesy on purpose in some parts, which I'm yeah. cool with. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, you got some Jared Leto with prosthetics yeah, looking like I like a, a little scenery chewing once in a while. Yeah, um, Adam Driver, you know, Kylo Ren, he's a Sith Lord, uh, is in this one. There you go. Lady Gaga, he's, Al Pacino. He's in a Sith Pocket universe, apparently, from what I hear. Oh, okay, there you go. They might reset in here. They might put those movies in the Pocket universe, which would be nice. It'd be like, that no. Would, that could be very interesting, yeah. um but yeah man um so news on the spider-man movies um so no way home is the third film third spider-man film but it's not the final spider-man film so apparently um spider-man producer amy pascal confirmed that tom holland is expected to keep playing the role for more movies in the mcu (laughs) and um probably going to be another trilogy of movies but is it going to be in the MCU or is it going to be in the Venom universe? Because it kind of, it's, kind of well, it, it's still going to be MCU. I think they re- agreed that the Spider-Man movie will be MCU, but Tom Holland will be allowed to appear 
in the Sony Spider Verse movies. I think okay, so you, you saw the you saw the Venom movie, right? You oh, saw you Venom. saw Venom for sure, and of course, and yeah, after you're... the credits, there was a thing where kind of hinted that like, yeah, Venom yep. might be joining. That Spider-Man. was Tom Holland Spider Man. But I think that the maybe this upcoming No Way Home is going to reveal a lot of what we can see, Paul, because we're going to see. I mean, it's already rumored that it's Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, you know, but we already know like Dr. Octopus is coming back and some of your old mm-hmm. favorites like Electro played by Jamie Foxx. So, um, yeah, expect maybe another we, green album or do you think it's going to be like or do you think uh, they're actually talking about it again? Well, we only saw. Thing is, we only we saw, saw the costume, that. and if they, I think they're keeping it under wraps on the which at, which original actors will be appearing. But I think it was kind of leaked that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire would be a part. But again, just speculation, you know. Maybe you know what, what we want to don't want to be spoiled on it, you know. Uh, but I'm excited. I think um, you know it it would be good to see Spider-Man in his adult years now because you know that for the next trilogy of movies, he's already working for like. The Daily, whatever. I think it's the Daily Planet Bugle. is Bugle. Bugle thank you. Yeah. yeah, Bugle is um, Spider-Man. Planet is Clark, Clark Kent, Superman. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's already working for the Bugle, you know, and he's got a professional. He's married to Mary Jane. Like, and Sabrina told us uh, this on the show that we've never seen a live-action Spider-Man in his adult years, and it's like, yeah, it always. Every time it's a reboot, it goes back to the origin story. It goes back to him in high school, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see some new Spider-Man, you know, like a new take on Spider-Man. Yeah, so many... But the problem yes. is there, he looks too young. Tom Holland, like, they tried to get him to play an adult, and he kind of still looks like he's a teenager. Well, yeah, I think this is the final years of high school. So I don't think they're going <clears> to... <throat> I don't think they're going to bring back another Spider-Man movie until, like, Phase 5, maybe. Because I know they have oh. a lot on Phase 4 played already. Yeah, the kids, he's got to be, like, 25 by now. I yeah. Mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna work this. They're gonna work this guy until he's in a wheelchair. I kind of feel bad for him. (laughs) He becomes the next Professor X. There you go, Professor X. Uh, We got another big movie. Um, So it's called Renfield. It's Universal Pictures' monster movie. Um, And um, Renfield appeared in Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula as a patient in an asylum obsessed with drinking blood. Deluded into thinking he will find immortality. Um, they just attach Aquafina, yeah. Nicholas Holt, and Nicholas Cage. Yes. <laughs> Nicholas Cage well, will be. If you need play- somebody to play crazy, Nicholas Cage is your guy. Yep. Well, uh, yeah. Nick Cage is playing Dracula uh, himself, you know. Um, <laughs> and um, Nicholas Holt is portraying Renfield. Now is this? I'm wondering if this is like when when Universal tried to do the Mummy, and they were like, "We're gonna get to the other one." Yeah. Is this another one? I I believe this is part of it because they own all the monster movies supposedly, okay. and they wanted to do some something similar to MCU, but they kind of like dropped the ball on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, so. Uh, well, they said there's rumors that uh, they might go back to the old Mummy movie. They might bring Fraser might come back. I mean, if they, yeah, if they do, I'd like, I like tie-ins. I like when things tie in and make sense. So if they did that, I'd be completely happy with it. You know, that'd be really cool. Paul, I know you're excited about Magic Mike's uh, third <laughs> film, right? I think I'll pass on that one, even though I, I do know Kevin Nash personally. So, I okay. mean, uh, <laughs> no. probably, yeah, uh, you could, you could stand in for Kevin Nash. I could see that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Channing Tatum and director Steven Soderbergh will reunite 
for Magic Mike's Last Dance, an installment in Warner the Brothers' Male Stripper Saga. <laughs> All right. See, this um, one, Magic Mike has a big gut, and he's like 46 years old. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Channing Tatum's almost 46, but still has a six-pack, so I don't know if that works. <laughs> the guy is still in incredible shape. Um, so, um, Vince, you were telling me you were watching the Beatles documentary and your son watched a little bit and walked off were you Yo, the one that? no well I, I did see a bit oh of i'm it. sorry i'm mixing yeah. i'm mixing you up with someone else that watched it but you did watch it didn't you i no, i've seen about you know 30 minutes of it i like oh, it okay, okay. it's it's I, not a fast movie you got to kind of just yeah. lounge with it but i like it yeah so that's making waves and uh, ironically enough the beatles biopic um just started production they're going to do um um, a music biopic about the Beatles manager Brian Epstein. They just cast the Beatles. So John Lennon will be played by Jonah Lees, known for The Letter for the King. Paul McCartney will be played by Blake Richardson from Eleven Days. George Harrison will be played by Leo Harvey Elledge, Elledge from Creation Stories. And Ringo Starr will be played by newcomer Campbell Wallace. And there's like an image. Um, He's not related to me at all. Oh, right. Wallace. That's right. <laughs> there's actually a production still image included in this article. And uh, they kind of captured the Beatles pretty well. I have to say, there's some good casting there. As far as looks, you know, obviously I'm not familiar with their work as actors, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, haven't heard of any of those guys. So I guess they went with well, the young lookalikes. The one with the young lookalikes, British actors that, you know, maybe not so known. Sure. Um, and, okay. Uh, okay. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them. I mean, that's just going to production now. But, yes, Peter Jackson's The Beatles Get Back documentary um, is now streaming. Um, and uh, I'll have to check that out. See how it is. It's very much, a, you know, I, I think I watched it after a big meal, just chilling on the couch. It's just right. a loungy kind of thing. It is interesting. But it doesn't exactly grip you with car chases or anything. Okay, well, it's about the Beatles. I wouldn't expect car chases in there. Unless they, they're you crazy. You should add car chases to a Beatles movie. That would be awesome. There you go. There you go. All right, let's move on to Disney Plus, guys, and talk a little Hawkeye. Because I know, oh, Vince, I... You, you, you're up to date. I watched the first two episodes. <laughs> I was so swamped. I didn't get a chance to watch episode three. But we can talk a little bit about it. But... What were your thoughts, Vince? I thought, you know, it was a strong, strong start to uh, I a six-episode series. Six, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm so bad at keeping up with these, but I, I saw WandaVision, honestly kind of lost steam with it, but I'm excited about this one. I saw the pilot just yesterday and today, and um, yeah, I really liked it. I'm excited, and I'm trying to remember, I'm like, wait a minute, Ronan, I'm going back to all my Marvel card collecting days, trying to put the pieces together. Yeah, I haven't seen Loki or Winter Soldier or Falcon. Okay, so well, I'm, I'm yeah, well, we we did get a, a glimpse of Ronan in, in Avengers Endgame. Oh, did we? Oh, well, yes, yes. Hawkeye as yes. Ronan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, what happens is that um, during the five years post blip, um, uh, Clint um, becomes Ronan. Yes. And apparently, um, he's uh you know whatever he gets into um comes back to haunt him you know during those five years after the blip so um and, and part of the 
those problems are the tracksuit mafia, which I think is a very clever name. The tracksuit mafia, which you get to see in Hawkeye. Um, but um, I thought it was great. Haley Steinfeld, she's amazing. You know, I think she, yeah. she's great as Kate Bishop um, as the fangirl. Um, you know, for for whatever reason, she's an amazing archer and an amazing gymnast. And now, does the Ronin suit give you power? I didn't get why she was such so, a damn good gymnast. That's the thing. The Ronin suit does not give you power. Neither. Oh, come on. Neither How did she Kate... beat up thirty right. tracksuit mafiosa. Thank come you. On. Thank you. She's beating up an entire group of men with no superpowers. She's just this incredible hand-to-hand combatant. It's like, does it make any sense at all? Because, I mean, you have to think Black Widow was the well, same way, though. Yeah, but Black Widow was trained since she was, like, what, two years old or something? Yeah. That's true. That's true. So well, why would Kate Bishop be able to kick ass? I mean, she's a gymnast, but but they did mention that she does have a black belt. Oh, karate. okay. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like, you know, she's a, you know, Bruce Lee. yeah, so I don't know, but, um, it should be interesting. I'm curious to see, um, the character of Jack DeKesney played by Tony Dalton, mm-hmm. um, as he's supposedly going to be the, the villain to be revealed, I guess, in upcoming episodes. Um, and, uh, the Tony Dalton character is actually engaged to Kate Bishop's mom played by Vera Farmiga. Um, so, uh, that should be really interesting. And another interesting is that character of Echo. Um, now Echo was an interesting character. They, they really search long and far to cast, um, this particular character. Is that the dog? Uh, no, no. <laughs> the one I dog. No. Echo was seen at the, the end of the second episode. Okay. So Echo is known as a deaf character that has the ability to copy someone else's moves and echo mm. echo yeah. their movements basically okay. is what, what their character is so they wanted to be accurate to the character and calf a death well, isn't that isn't that supposed to be taskmaster it's essentially the same powers as taskmaster yes that's very true but interestingly enough they hired a girl mind you zero acting experience because they wanted to get a deaf actress that had the right look, that was the right ethnicity. And it's um, Alakwa Cox, who's a Native American actress, and she's playing Maya Lopez. So it's like, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, that all the only acting experience that Alakwa Cox has is in high school plays as like wow. a background in a high school play, not even like the main star. Wow. But, but they really wanted to stay true to to the echo character being deaf and they didn't want to um cast a hearing person to play a deaf character you know i think they they i I guess it's not politically correct you know like remember that kid from glee that was in a wheelchair and a lot of a lot of criticism because they they could have cast a real handicapped wheelchair user um you know actor but they went with a completely healthy you know well, I Kate think the guy, Bishop. Superstore, stored, he's not in a wheelchair, is he? In what show? Superstore. Superstore. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. guy who's like, I, he yeah, was. I don't think he Oh, he might not be, yeah. I, I don't actually know. That's what I'm a commercial not in a wheelchair, so I don't know if he oh. is or not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something maybe, maybe. that... Yeah, it's just a thing. I think with, with the, in our politically correct climate now, you have to be accurate. You know, you don't want to offend people because you, you know, you cast... For instance, Javier Bardem is from Spain, but they cast him to play 
Desi in the Lucy and Des movie, the I Love I Love Lucy movie, but he's not Latino, he's European Spanish, but for whatever reason it's an issue. You know, it's like I don't know. So so I guess they they want to be very they they want to tread carefully, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't know. Um all right, so let's talk about episode three of Hawkeye, first of all. Um the third episode of Hawkeye teased a major villain that may have a big impact on the rest of the series and the MCU in general. So this is what happened, Big Paul. Oh, man. Yeah, so in the episode, there are multiple references to a behind-the-scenes figure that's controlling this tracksuit mafia, the gang that is after Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. And it's... Yeah, so the mafia members, Kazi and Maya Lopez, played by Alec Cox, we mentioned before who is actually a deaf actress, um, refer to this mysterious uncle. Um, this leader is this mysterious uncle. So the, the, there's, um, well, that's a thing. Wilson Fisk, Kingpin, no is way. a renowned villain already. Uh, and he actually appeared, as you know, in the Daredevil live action movie and TV series. Um, so the thing is, is that, they didn't confirm it, but um, it's very, very possible due to rumors that Kingpin would appear in Hawkeye. Oh, man. Do you think Charlie Cox is going to show up, too, or no? You know what's interesting? You mentioned Charlie Cox because Charlie Cox is a lawyer, right? And they have this Marvel uh, She-Hulk series on Disney+. And I have a feeling that we're going to see Charlie Cox appear as, maybe not the Daredevil, but as Charlie Cox, the actor that played well, the, the, his alter ego, that is, um, oh. uh, play uh, the lawyer character on She-Hulk. But there's there are rumors that Kingpin is going to show up at some yeah, point awesome. in Hawkeye. Yeah. And it was such a great action-packed episode. I mean, it was basically a Hawkeye and Kate Bishop team up against the tracksuit mafia. Uh, they shot like all these different cool arrows <laughs> at, at the tracksuit mafia, including one uh, really cool arrow that uh, blinded the entire uh, windshield with purple goo. <laughs> and then there was this other really cool arrow. So Kate Bishop shoots the arrow in the air, right? And then Hawkeye, pulls out an arrow with pin on the end and you know what pin particles are right paul yeah you're right uh it makes you can, what? Uh, it makes you shrink or become bigger exactly and that's what happened he shot the arrow with the pin particles the arrow became super huge and stopped the tracksuit mafias oh, uh <laughs> yeah man it was pretty pretty epic and i gotta tell you man this this echo character played by um aliqua cox not only is she deaf, she's actually um, she's actually double handicapped. She actually has a uh, prosthetic leg as well, and they no wrote way. yeah they wrote the prosthetic leg into her character of Maya Lopez, and she kind of uses the the uh, prosthetic leg as kind of a weapon um, with her like really great like hand to hand combat skills. Oh, cool. So yeah, so are you going to be tuning into Hawkeye? I'm probably going to check it out. I mean, I just haven't had a chance yet, but the first chance I get, I'm going to check it out. Um, big news on Disney Plus with the Ahsoka Tano series. Uh, Sith Lord, you'll be happy to know that um, they cast um, an actress 
um, to play um, a very popular character in Star Wars um, Clone Wars, and that's Sabine Wren. Um, And the actress playing her will be Ivana Sakno. Not really familiar with her. Um, And Sabine Wren is in Star Wars Rebels. Stan Cruz. Sakno is known for roles in Mandalorian, or or was she the pilot? I forget which. Well, um, Katie Sackhoff was in uh, The Mandalorian. No, no, I'm talking about like in in Rebels. uh, Sabine Wren, was she the. There was a Mandalorian, like female and there was also yes yes okay i just yeah yeah but now this is the first time that sabine wren will be a live action character so that's going to be played by ivana sack now so um and i do believe we have um someone else joining us um we have an actor uh victor victor are you with us i am here hey welcome to below the belt show we have victor dobro um, uh, Victor, uh, of course, um, it's good to have you on BTB. Um, thanks for reaching out. Cool. Thanks for having me. And, um, you're a former, a uh, former current police officer turned actor or current, current? both. Yeah. Current police officer, <laughs> po- current police officer and actor. Um, uh, but welcome to the show. Um, uh, yeah, I Thank guess you. you're, uh, you know, um, our buddy Vince and, uh, yeah, yeah, I had the opportunity to work with him on a really cool project. I tell everyone it was, a uh, the most proud, most proud I was of like my work pr- type project. So it may have been just um, for other people, just another gig, but um, I really enjoyed it. It's called Talons of the Phoenix, an independent film. Oh, very they're, cool. They're about finishing wrapping up principal photography. So I'm excited about it. Definitely. Well, awesome. Too, yeah, well, yeah that, that's so cool. I'm, um, well, Victor, since this is your first time on Below the Belt show, uh, tell us about... Um, I guess your your journey to get into the acting um, and maybe how if your career as a police officer kind of you know, influenced you in any way to become an actor, taking those skills. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's know. definitely helped. Um, I've been a police officer for over 23 years and I was living in New Mexico and working in New Mexico. And I had a few friends that were on a few different projects where they all film in the same location outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico and La Cienega. And that's where that rust project uh was filming too a lot of different no country for old man terminator salvation all these movies but i had a few friends that were in breaking bad and i have a friend who's still in better call saul he's like a regular now so i always thought it was interesting and i worked on a few sets just doing security but never really followed up on it i didn't know how anyone really got into acting but uh when i came back to maryland um i was starting to think about and, and, and look into maybe being a um, like a police or tactical consultant on some of these films right i really didn't know anyone didn't have any connections so i was really just a fan and i was going to like comic book conventions and autograph signings and just like us <laughs> yeah, horror, <laughs> yeah horror conventions and and i tell people you know i took a picture with john a, a selfie with john berthal yeah right, right after he landed netflix um Punisher. Punisher, yeah. Yeah, it was his it was his birthday and they were ushering him away because I got there super late outside of Pittsburgh and he saw me and he felt bad like I was this little little child trying to get an autograph. <laughs> so he he wa- he waved me over, he told his team no to let me through and you know, I got some autographs and I took a selfie and then come to find out, you know, I here here I am able to, you know, book uh, my first SAG role, wow. speaking role, off my first audition on Whoa. Zoom live ever. Wow. 
Those I told Victor he should never tell this story because every actor is going to hate his guts when they yeah, hear that's that. That's true because there's been a lot of actors <laughs> no, that have I, been in the union forever and have yet to book a major well, role on a major yeah, series. Yeah, so like I ended up just not really working on the same project with them, but I wasn't in the same scene. Now, I was able to film uh, you know, with a few different actors. I won't like spoil anything, but I wasn't. I wasn't in any scenes with, with, with John, but I caught him in the trailer and I showed him the selfie and I said, hey, you remember this? And I think I scared him because he probably thought I was coming at him like a fan. What you are, what you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he realized like, oh, you know, and I'm like, no, no, you know, I'm working with you. But so he thought that was pretty cool. And man, he's he's done a lot of legwork. He's gone on ride alongs and, and, and he's he's traveled. Uh, to di- let's say he's traveled to different locations uh, to learn more about the characters that he that he's portraying. Yeah. That's cool. But that's awesome. kind of like what got me into it. But really, the police experience and um, um, you know, just being self-taught, really. And I can't wow. like these guys are real actors. Like Vince and I, like I was in awe. I'm in a room of like five other guys, and I call them all established actors, and they all have different career backgrounds. But you know, a lot of them have theater you know, and sc- formal schooling. And here I am just a fan and I'm just winging it. But, you know, I'm trying to prove it to myself. I can do it. What do you think got you into the room for casting? I mean, granted, you you hadn't had any principal work prior. Did they yeah, look at your resume as an officer and, and want to? Well, really, that's, that's, yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm really fortunate. It's it's really my yeah. pictures. Okay. You know, and I tell people like one third of getting, I guess, cast and getting the roles, one third is your look. Is your I look. Think, Definitely. Yeah, and then maybe that another one third is, are you believable in that role? And then the other third is really, can you pull it off with the choices you make? So really, I already have like one and two. <laughs> I mean, I have like two thirds of it. I just kind of have to show them like I can deliver some lines and be believable. But it, it's if the resume of and 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 we own the city and Pat Moran, they're in, yeah in, uh, George Pecklino, they're. They're notorious. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're known for picking people that are local and picking real cops or people with real backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just to fill in these different roles. So I was you know, I didn't get the role that I auditioned for. It went to another local Maryland actor. Um, Actually, uh, his name's Kevin Arnold. I can give that away. Yes. Yes. We don't care. Yeah. So the guy only has like 100 more movie credits than me. Yeah, so I don't he's, I don't feel that that bad. He's that, a veteran yeah. in the industry and someone we were. But I tell people Pat bit. Moran, she did herself a favor, me a favor, and the production a favor by casting wow. me properly. I can tell you that. So she's definitely wow. getting this card. Thank did you. Did you meet? Me. I know you probably can't mention, but did you meet the real guy you were playing? No, but I can tell you, I, I reached. Well, I tried to reach out. I, I tried to do some research, and I basically asked for permission from the production company to, to try to reach him and uh, whether, and I figured some of these characters aren't going to want to, you know, some of these yeah. real people aren't going to want to talk, but some are talking and, and, and these are small circles. Like I, I know people who are friends with people that are directly related to this incident. Mm. And I've, I've, you know, I worked for somebody who's, who's got a, you know, whose characters portrayed in the show. So it's kind of like a, you know, yeah. weird, um, you know, like, like I said, small circles, but I, I wanted them to say yes, but they, they, what was their politically correct answer was that we can't, uh, you know, suggest it or promote it or officially authorize it, but kind of like you're on your own. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to stalk the guy on Instagram, go for it. <laughs> and there's, really not, there's really not much out there to find, but I, I've asked some other people and got a little bit more clarification. And I was able to talk to uh, Justin 
Fenton, the author of the, the book that the, the series oh. is based on. And, and he's a really cool guy. Um, and I, I'd like to talk more to him. I invited him to come to the station, and grab lunch and stuff sometime. Nice. So right on. background well, getting into it, but then been, been yeah. very fortunate and lucky for it. Awesome. Well, congratulations on We Own the City. But we have to mention um, for the podcast that you're wearing a CRM hoodie, which I think is a great a great <laughs> segue into the, our next topic, which is The Walking Dead World Beyond. Uh, you yep. played a CRM officer yep. um, and featured in um, the latter half of the season. Uh, talk to us about that experience of working on uh, uh, World you know, Beyond. It's great. It's, I, did, I just did a fan film that just got released first time ever on camera 10 months ago. And they cut two of my lines. So that was called, uh, it's called Roseblood, a Friday 13th fan film. And oh, cool. they had like a $53,000 budget from fans. And they had three, Terry Kaiser, Laura, Laura Park Lincoln, um, and uh, Kevin Spiritus from the Friday 13th Part 7, those major three characters. But anyway, so I went from that film, uh, just being told about uh, the Walking Dead world beyond looking for any uh, former or current military or police because they're looking for people for that look and someone that can handle a fake firearm and look believable. And I was like, ah, sure. I'll put in for it. Um, but I was, I was never expecting to get cast on anything other than fan films, you know? Um, but they, you know, called me back and said, congratulations. You're one of the you know people selected. And I was like, wow. And it turned into be like a, a, a re a recurring featured. And it's funny, I say featured, but you can't see my face and only but two scenes and they're out of focus. Okay. Uh, so, but some of the CRM soldiers were lucky. They got to wear different outfits where you could see their face clearly. I'm friends with one of them who, who's like really um, featured in a lot of different scenes. But, you know, it was, it was still a great experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm in episode, I believe, five through nine. And I just yeah. missed episode, or just missed episode 10 um, because they had to retailer my, my uh, CRM outfit. And it pushed back, wardrobe pushed me back a couple of days. And that's okay. how I missed some of the scenes that were in the finale. Yeah. So I'm watching the finale. And you know, all these shows and movies, everything's kind of, not everything, but a lot of stuff is filmed out of sequence. Yeah. So like actually one of the very last scenes that you see in the show, uh, all my friends are in the background lined up, you know, at a parade rest in their, in their you know, wow. sweat outfit, uh, you know, PT training. And I was like, man, I should have been there had, had they not, had they not switched my, uh, you know, fitting date, you know, by another week, I would have been on that. I could have said I was in. The yeah. <laughs> well, as so, a fan of the show, because you are a Walking yeah. Dead fan like myself, uh, let's talk about that finale because that was just, and to be a, a part of that in any in any respect is is pretty yeah. awesome. Vincent, well, I know you, Vincent, you also worked on the show as well as a CRM uh, uh, scientist, correct? I, I did, yeah. I had a couple couple days on there. I was a stand in season one, but they didn't use me season two. But hey, uh, it, it, awesome. it gave me an excuse to talk to Annette last week, so yeah. I'll take it. Yes, and we're going to be playing that at the end of the program. So wow, a lot of stuff. You know, I got to say that the 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 show. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan of the main show. World Beyond. You know, it was cool to work on. I respect all the actors involved. However, I didn't think the, the the story was as strong until until like the last four episodes where yeah. Pollyanna McIntosh, who plays Jadis, yeah. brought some just craziness to the show that I was really missing. And once she got on board, um, I thought just she just did great. And of course, everybody wants to know what's going on with Rick, Rick Grimes, because yeah. you know, as you know, Jadis 
was the one that took Rick up in the whole helicopter. Right. Um, and all she mentioned in the episodes, in that final episode, is that, yes, she had to trade in somebody very special who was uh, a bee, who was the bee, which are the right. people that, that CRM can use yep. um, in order to get my position in the CRM. And that's kind of all that was mentioned. Yeah. You know? And uh, she mentioned well, that she has that big battle with uh, Annette Mahendra's Huck and... Oh, sad to say, sad to say, but Huck, Huck did not make it, guys. Yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah, uh, I know. For people without AMC, AMC Plus. <laughs> yeah, well, this will be posted after Sunday, so. Okay. <laughs> I would just preface this for all our listeners uh, that we will, might drop some uh, World Beyond uh, Episode 10. Um, Man, you scrolls. ruined it for me now. I thought you already saw it, Paul. No, I didn't see it. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's cool. I'm on season one, but I mean as a stand-in. But I mean, I was filming a that what do you call it, the Ethan Hawke thing at the time, so I couldn't get out of that. Good Lord Bird. Yep. 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 Um, what what did you think of the finale? I mean, I, I thought. Um, I mean, it seems like we we lost only one major character uh, yeah. in Hawk. So do you, will these other characters that are in World Beyond um, move on to the Rick Grimes movies? Where do you see this going? Um, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you as a as a background uh, CRM soldier, everyone's hoping that they cast us for the, like the the trilogy movie with Rick Grimes. But yes, I, I told I told my guys like because they're like because they tailored them to us. They, these suits cost thirty five hundred dollars. And a oh lot my God! Of, really? Yeah, they're custom made. And actually, what's funny is I tell people I lost almost forty pounds in a year, and about thirty of those pounds were while filming Walking Dead, because it was all black outfits, and I'm, we're in the woods for these scenes. We're outside. And the heat in the day. summer. Yeah. So, but I wanted to lose weight because it was so uncomfortable. I just had to lose five pounds, and five pounds turned into be thirty pounds. So I lost weight filming. But anyway, they all want to be a part of the, the movie trilogy. And I told him, I yeah. said, well, only if they're filming in Richmond and only if they still have the same outfits, will they probably ask us. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I liked it. You know, I had to watch the first series to see what was it all about. And right. I saw the mixed reviews. I saw a lot of reviews that were like, were there younger kids? It's, yeah, exactly. You know, they really like the storyline and stuff. But right. if you saw when they, when they announced they were making the second season, a lot of the just true fans were saying they want to know more about CRM. They want to know exactly. more about the military, the CRM. That's the cool part about it. And they told us that. And so we kind of had a, we figured that we would be more featured as far as like the soldiers, the background yeah. going on at the base and all that. So I think that's what the fans want. And I, I would say that, you know, people are probably liking season two better than season one, but it's like you either like it or you don't. I haven't found many people that are kind of like on the fence with it, but um, yeah, it, Filming these these shots and these scenes, you know, they don't even want to tell us what's going on. I'll tell you a funny story yeah. real quick. One of the, I would think I was still doing episode eight or nine, and one of the you know production assistants was telling me something about you know they captured so and so's son, and then this person, and I was like, what? Right. But they, I think I don't know if he did it on purpose, but he told me yeah. they, they captured Lieutenant Frank Newton's son, and I'm like, what? Do you t Frank Newton looks like he's 22. Uh, like that's Robert Robert um, Palmer Watkins is a really good friend of mine yeah. now. But I'm like, what do you mean? So like sometimes they were just giving us, you know, misinformation. Other times they didn't even want us in the area when they were film shooting a scene. So I'm like, they must be really paranoid, um, you know, that we're leaking, that we would leak stuff out, which which no one did. You know, nobody's right. leaking anything out. 
but um yeah wow. I, we were kind of clueless so we'd have to watch these episodes ourselves like so we kind of had an idea um but you know it's funny because of that and other other sh- other films and and shows that i do sometimes i'll just look to the other actors and, and, and be like do you know what episode this is or what scene is this or what's going on i i did uh don't look up on netflix and it's yeah. get really good reviews yeah i had I no idea it well. was a comedy yeah. i thought it was a sci-fi action adventure series it has it has sci-fi elements to it well i'm telling you i'm sitting in the scene and and the, yeah. and the, the lines that they're delivering which were all improv all of them and I, and I heard after the fact that the director really encouraged uh, Leonardo and, and, and all these other actresses, actors to improv. And they're improvising the line almost every time. And, I, you know, I came I, I was finishing doing the, you know, the scenes with Vince. And I'm like, I was pretty much, you know, all of us were pretty much word for word, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, adding little choices to it. But then here I am, you know, on Don't Look Up and they're they're improving all their lines and they're all like. <laughs> They're all comedy yeah. lines. I've never, I've never filmed and been on set where, where it's like a comedy, because yeah. like I was like, I don't know, is this funny? Like, are people gonna get it or what's going on? <laughs> <in this scene?" laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, I don't. I, I, I want to go back. I want to go back to World Beyond really quick though. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, which principal actors do you interact with the most? Uh, really, it's uh, um, Lieutenant Frank Newton. Um, so I was part of his, you call it like dignitary protection detail. So yes. really, episode eight. But when he, you know, really when he got off the plane from, you know, from LA and he's got family in Virginia. Uh, we were attached to him and he was very friendly. Yeah. He, he, he didn't tell me everything there is to know about acting, but he gave me a yeah. lot of insight. He, he, he would speak to me and, 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 you know, Pollyanna would say hi. And some of these other act, actors and actresses would say hi, like Joe Holt, uh, the doctor, yeah. Was, Dr. Leo. Really yeah. nice. you know, I interacted with him a lot, but him, him and, um, Lieutenant Frank Newton, <laughs> um, you know, they were the like the nicest, nicest guys on set to interact with and ask. Because, awesome. you know, as a background, you're, you're afraid to even talk to people. Um, so you kind of like you have to wait for the for them to say hi to you. And then once they give Sometimes. you that in. You know, <laughs> you know, I they, say hi anyways. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, you know, I went from being background on one project on one HBO show to principal on another HBO show and the and how industry treats some actors. Is the yeah. difference between night and day? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I got to tell a quick story because you reminded me of this. All right. I did stand in with a guy on a show. It was for Fosse Verdon. Oh, and wow. the guy I was standing in for, he's a nice actor. He's, a, I'll say his name, Nate Cordry. Funny dude. Nice dude. After right. he did a scene, I just went up. I said something to him like, hey, you going to do a wardrobe change? Because I wondered if I needed to change. The other stand in looked at me like I had just, like, <laughs> cursed his family he was like what are you don't do that you never never do that i was like dude chill years later i'm a principal role i see the same standing on the set and oh, i just no. kind of looked at him i was like dude oh we're all people we're all people you don't have to follow these ridiculous rules all the yeah. time just whoa yeah. yeah i tell people about half half the time you know get that get that kind of treatment but you know so your story you know kind of shocked you and it was funny but Pollyanna McIntosh, um, yeah. great actress. I'm seeing her she on all these phenomenal. different projects. When She's she delivers, phenomenal. she delivers. But you know, like every every Very other nice actor too. and actress, sometimes we'll flub some lines. Sometimes we got to take it over again and take it over again. Well, she had a little bit of difficulty in one scene, and it was a lot of technical jargon. Like I wouldn't have been able mm. to follow. But like, if you really listen to what they're saying, it's like all this technical jargon they have them saying. Yeah. 
So she would get like most of her lines and then we'd redo it and redo it. And uh, everyone was just, you know, everyone was being very polite and just letting her get, you know, get through it. But after she was, I think she was kind of upset with herself. So one of my friends, a background actor who wasn't, who, who like really doesn't talk too much, um, goes right up to her and says, hey, I'm really proud of you. You really pulled through there at the end. <laughs> and I looked, I looked over at him and I was like, oh my God. I'm like, couldn't you just said, hey, good job. Have a good night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, this is a background actor telling Pollyanna McIntosh, hey, good job. Way to pull through. Pull. You know, we all have faith in you type deal. And I'm like, what is he oh doing? Oh, God. So, but no, at least, she did, yeah, at least he didn't give her advice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, apologetic and she was know my, your role, as the rock says. You know? She was like, thank you so much. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, I would, you know, he, I'm surprised he didn't get fired on the spot. But here that's I am trying to just grab point. food from Crafty and run out of there. <laughs> so, so Victor, you check out the um, the uh, end credits for the finale for World Beyond. It was crazy. Yeah, and it really it really hints at what we could see for the future of the Walking Dead franchise. So, basically, we saw I guess some soldier in France watching some footage of Doctor Jenner from the CDC, which ties into season one. Yeah, of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite episodes. Right. Wasn't a great episode. So the soldier's talking to Dr. Jenner, getting all this information about variants, which is kind of crazy in today's climate, because now we have a COVID-19 variant called yeah. Omnicron, which sounds like some transformer Decepticon. Unicron. Unicron, right? Uh, so uh, now we have a variant that makes the zombies fast. Like, yeah. So as soon as this soldier or whatever position this person had was shot in the back of the head, she gets up, reanimates, and runs to the door. Well, was it the back of the head or was it just in her back? Whether it was in the back or the back of the head, the soldier died, reanimated quickly, ran, and started pounding on the door with her hands. Um, And, of course, the zombies in the Walking Dead universe are slow moving walkers they really only reach their hands out if they want to eat human flesh they don't really know how to knock on the head right a little bit like that yeah so we're talking about like yeah smarter zombies a different days later 28 days later and all uh, world war z and stuff Oh, those were those were, those were the fastest ones, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this was a good call in Walking Dead to do something new I like, like that? Everyone you have to do something different. You got to do something different, yeah. Because I think yeah. if they want to put a new spin on the Walking Dead and keep the franchise going, they got to do stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, I like that they. It, everyone kind of wants them to tie them tie them all in, and so the yeah the big questions are how do they do it for World Beyond because it's seven years ahead. And then, you know, that's why that's it's something I didn't know. T- timeline wise, the show is seven years ahead of yeah, the main show why, that we're seeing. That's why, like the whole Rick Grimes thing. I mean, it's, you know, how is he going to make an appearance? And they, uh, you know, the writers tried to warn the, the, the fans that there was no going to there was not going to be any uh, cameo, even though somebody added them on IMDb. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyone could do that, apparently. But yeah, you can. Edit I, your own IMDb they profile, try to yeah. tie in all three. And if you look at. It's not any spoiler, but pay attention to Walking Dead World Beyond. Pay attention who's alive, who's dead, and what names they drop. And those are important because I'm watching the series kind of like a fan, just like anybody else. And I'm getting lost 
and like who's related to who and who's doing what. But when they mention names that we haven't seen yet, I think that's a that's a that's a hint. And you, right. there is not going to be a, a season three of World Beyond. So, you know, nope. in my Done. opinion, any name they mention is probably going to tie into the other series. That's just my guess, my personal guess. And I, I personally hope that that does happen for sure. Yeah. And Victor, before we, uh, we move on, we want to mention the whole um, controversy with Alec Baldwin uh, from Rust. I know you alluded to it a little earlier. Um, but it was just uh, just dropping news right now that um, oh. apparently investigators know how the live rounds got mixed in with the dummy rounds, according to an affidavit, affidavit oh, released yesterday. So apparently uh, one of six bullets was placed in there. Um, initially, it was five dummy bullets and one real bullet. And the mystery Dude. is how that real bullet what did got you, the news he, said he didn't pull the trigger. And the well, news is that Alec Baldwin did not pull the trigger. He's just now saying that. He, and he's just yeah, saying but, this. But see, see, Al, here's the thing. I train people in stunts. And I've worked with under a lot of different stunt coordinators. Right. You never play with a gun like it's a toy. You never, you always, you never have your finger near the trigger and you never point it at anybody. If he was trying to be on camera, he would have to point it off maybe like 15 degrees away from the camera to make it look like he's pointing at the camera. He, right. he was playing with the gun and I think he is guilty to some degree. I don't know if he's the one who put the bullet in or not, but. I, I, doubt I, don't was, believe, I doubt it. He was. I, doubt it. I, I will no, say I'm not walk here to, off the set. They had a lot of people walk off the set. They were upset. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they do need to legitimately well, investigate. I'm just, I'm just saying he should never. He should have never had that gun pointed at yeah. any people, unless even if just joking. You're not supposed to do that at all. Well, my understanding was, and I, I, you know, yeah, you should, probably shouldn't point it right at the lens. But my understanding was he was rehearsing a sequence that was specifically directed to be quick draw into the camera. Right. So, I, I, I mean, yes, go a little totally off cool. camera, but I don't think he was like dicking around and twirling a gun for fun. Right. No, but I, hear, I heard the, from the script supervisor, he wasn't supposed to be having a gun in that scene to begin with. So I think he was playing with a gun and I think it went off because he was playing with a gun and whether or not he knew it was lo loaded or not, that's a whole different story. But I think he actually was playing with a gun and I think it was a tragedy to what happened. But I mean, it's just he just should have checked it himself. I mean, I always check everything. I always point the gun down at all times. I never have my finger anywhere near the trigger. If it's a, if it's a like prop gun, if it's a BB gun or if it's a rubber gun, that's a whole different story. But, but the prop guns, you always have to handle like they're loaded, even if, if they have a piece of a, because yeah. you don't know, if it's like a, yeah. like, like there could be like scrap, scrap metal or something. They're from like a dummy round, but you don't know. That's so a Brandon like, Lee incident. Yeah, yeah that's so exactly what happened to Brandon Lee. And it's not safe to be playing with. But I think he was playing around. I think what he did was dumb. And it, it just backfired. I mean, I'm not saying, and if somebody did put a live round into the thing, that person should be charged with murder. I mean, that's how it should be. Manslaughter, definitely for sure. And this interview that uh, Alec Baldwin's going to give is going to uh, air on Thursday, December 2nd on ABC. This is George Stephanopoulos' interview with Alec Baldwin. And yeah, he said in that clip, he did not pull the trigger, uh, and uh, they I mean, ask him like. To be honest with you, Al, I, I don't believe him. he didn't pull the no, trigger. No, there's no way. Yeah, It'd be interesting to see what he says. But uh, Victor, um, you were around guns on on set of both, you know, We Own the City and World Beyond. Yeah. Um. Now, to what degree do they use real guns? And what degree do they use prop guns? Right. You know, it's it's unfortunate that 
in, where they're filming La Cienega, 15 minutes away, you have the, the, the New Mexico State um, tra uh, Police Training Academy, and you have all these yeah. experts. And I would shoot out there all, all the time. And I actually applied to be just actually background, but trying to sell myself as a, a police consultant as well right. to that project. So, I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But, man, if I would have been attached to that project, it's not like I would have been the props uh, people. But if I was an extra, maybe I would have been like, whoa, what are, what are you guys doing? Who's checked this? Because right. I can tell you on these other films and all these projects, you, you know, everyone attached and no one's going to talk bad about each other. And everyone's going to say every, every we, we follow all the protocol. Everything we do is safe. Right. But I've seen some unsafe things. So uh, as a firearms instructor and a former SWAT officer and a former police sniper, I have a, like a high, much higher standard for safety. So right. I don't just check my prop gun to make sure it's working. I check mine and then I check yours and you check yours. And we don't carry any real knives. We don't carry batons, spray. We carry no real weapons at all. Because you don't know if someone's going to, you know, uh, wig out or whatever you call it in a yeah. training environment and, and just go nuts or just horsing around. So, like, uh, when, when I've been on these sets and, you know, everything's frantic, everyone, you know, they say that they announce that they have a prop gun or blanks, you know, right. to the whole crew at the beginning of the filming. But you know how they corral background actors and all of a sudden, hey, we need you. Hurry up. OK, lights, camera, action. Well, that's not giving everyone proper time to, to, to realize, well, who's gun, who's got what gun and stuff. So but when sometimes you have just just prop people handing you a rubber gun. Other time it's it could be uh, I've had wooden guns, uh, rubber guns, you know, different guns. I've had, you know, the, the realistic guns. And I'm, I'm actually filming a movie now where where I have dummy rounds. So they, they look like real bullets, but the entire primer has been pulled out of it. So it can't be struck and it can't explode. It can't go off like a real bullet. Right. But, uh, we're filming. So and you have The Rock saying that he's never going to do any movies with real guns again. Real guns. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Everything should be CGI. I don't agree with that at all. No, you, you can't. There's no there's no way. And it, it's there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. It, you do they, have to they, have realistic guns in some cases. Yeah. And that's why well, these rubber gun rubber is not going to work. Well, also, like as I said, you have to keep track of stuff on sets. Like, I mean, when I was trying right. I don't want to write out that thing I was working on, but I was training people with swords and somehow metal swords made it out on the set. And I broke three ribs because I actually had to take them away from extras because they assumed that they were to play with and use on the scene when they weren't supposed to use the metal <laughs> swords. That's, in the scene. We that's definitely Kane Hodder at a convention. Uh, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Kane Hodder on a, uh, what was that? Uh, Death House. Yeah. He, okay, I mean, he's cool. all people, you don't realize how much he's been through. I mean, like yeah. half his body, he's like no, he cut he cut his friend with a with a machete, thinking that it was a prop. Oh man, that's <laughs> crazy! Rush into the hospital and get stitches, and it, it ended his uh, appearance a little early that day. But that's what well, happens when props. When you have yep. a real gun, I had a real gun the other day. I kept it with me everywhere I go. But you because shooting, everyone's paranoid. Paul, you're about to say something. Hey, yeah, you have to when you have a real gun, you never point at anybody. You always keep it down, and you keep your hand finger away from the trigger unless you're called to to do something with that i mean it's it's protocol i mean a lot of these people they just think hey it's a gun let's go play with it let's like but you can't do that yeah. you know what i mean i mean well, hey, if it's a rubber gun i mean i kind of like hey if you want to you can but just don't do it around anybody yeah, but i mean if it's anything else i would say no Oh. And the problem I had is um, I've had prop people, 
you know, take a gun or what looks like a gun and they shove it in my holster and they tell me, don't touch it. And they walk away. And, and so they, they think that's enough safety. That's um, not right. I'm a firearms instructor. I'm a police officer and I have tons of personal liability. Uh, whether yeah, or not I, mean, I, I work on stuff no officers bill of rights in Maryland, but what I do and I and I've told my other background actors, as soon as they walk away, I have to inspect that gun. I take it out right. of my holster and I inspect it to make sure it's not a real gun or it's not really loaded yep. at all. So no, like but exactly they just they're just handing it to actors and saying, Hey, just don't touch it. You know what I mean? And then they, yeah, then they put it I, Yeah. So I have to inspect weapons because I'm gonna be liable. I'm gonna be sued if there's a, if I was on that rust set. And, and if I was standing there oh, yeah. and they find out that, you know, one of the cowboy actors is actually a really farms instructor and he should have known. And why, why didn't he take action? And even though it wouldn't have been anyone their fault. But, you yeah. know, I, you know, I I got to make sure that everything I yeah. touch. So well, that's, the that's one I had exactly for too. we own the city was a revolver. It was real weight. I didn't ask. I didn't stop to say, oh, it has a firing pin pull. It was a revolver, um, a revolver. I didn't ask if the firing pin was pulled out um, or oh, wow. okay. anything like that, but they knew I was a firearms instructor. Like that's one of the reasons why I was on, on set and, and in that role. And okay. it was revolver and I was doing what I would normally do, which I've done for 23 years of my career. I find a weapon in a car or wherever yeah. on the street and I look okay. at it and I, I, I make it safe. And I basically did that um, uh, for my, you know, part of my thing for we own the city. But, you know, it was real weight. So, yeah, they could have maybe, um, I guess, disengaged the firing pin somehow. Yeah. Um, but there was no way any ammunition was going to get in that gun because. It well, was point black, we, we need to figure out how to make this. Right. I mean, just this. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the in, only in way to make it safer is actually just like he said, you have to inspect the weapons. You have to have somebody who knows what they're doing running stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you, just don't, you don't leave them down, though, like in, in rust. Somebody left, you know, three guns on on a on a cart and walked away. And apparently well, that's they got their yeah. hands. You heard, why, you heard why they had to lose the ammo, too. They were going they out and shooting scenes in between scenes. It's like, <laughs> you don't see guns that go back on the set. Like, I, I wouldn't Those imagine. bullets should not have been anywhere near a set. Right. Yeah. It should not yeah. have been anywhere set, but anyways, um, Victor, um, we, we really appreciate you joining us here on BTB. Yeah, thank uh, you. I know we had uh, some logistics issues getting you on with 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 uh, bedtime for the kids, but I'm glad we were yeah. able to squeeze you in. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it, uh, Victor, and uh, lots of luck. We'd love to have you back on BTB another time for sure. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Talk everything entertainment. Um, and uh, where can we see you next, Victor? Uh, go to the city, of course. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna appear on We Own the City. Uh, don't look up. <laughs> Maybe nice. in the in the background. Myself will be in the background as well. A new project uh, called Clowns. Uh, we're filming right now an independent project, and then uh, two other um, true crime reenactment, um, you know, uh, shows for Wide Net Productions, like the Anna. Yeah. Siga. Uh, uh, Sigalasi. I can't, can't. I mispronounce her name every time I say it, but. It sounds like she a name the, that would be easy to mispronounce. <laughs> yeah, it's got like the best true crime podcast out there. The Anatomy, okay. uh, uh, Anatomy of Murder is like oh, wow. one, of, one of my favorite, but you know, she's okay. also a producer for the true crime reenactment show. So I got a okay. couple shows lined up in that uh, couple Netflix movies. So I'm staying busy. Awesome. Well, Victor, thank you so much for joining us on BT. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the time. And we'll, have you, we'll talk to you again soon. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Right, Good to see you, man. See you. Right. You too. All right, guys, that was Victor Dobro here on BTB. And this is a perfect time 
to take a classic cut break. So, as you know, we love to celebrate Christmas here on BTB starting the entire month of December. So expect Christmas music throughout the entire month. And this one was an easy one for us, guys. We watched Hawkeye, one of the, the classic Christmas songs that was played during Hawkeye was Andy Williams' version of the most wonderful time of the year, guys. So this is the song that we're going to take a classic cut, a Christmas classic cut break to. And we will, we will come back with actor uh, Tony Winters and a lot more here on BTB. So here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Alright, that was the most wonderful time of the year from Hawkeye can you believe it that song is in the trailer? <laughs> and what I think is really cool, guys, is that Hawkeye has a Christmas theme in within yes. the series. So uh, it's really nice. Again, I saw the uh, Rockefeller Center tree, uh, the big tree in Rockefeller Center in New York. And um, I know uh, New York is a big part of the Hawkeye series. So um should be pretty cool to see the rest i can't wait to see the rest of the episodes uh really quick but and actually if you want to really have fun try to figure out which new york scenes are actually atlanta because a lot of them are in oh, hawkeye really? are they really yeah that's not all new york they shot the whole oh. thing in atlanta and they did a few pickups in new york city i didn't know that yeah yeah well, the, streets are too big. the same way which one uh, Shazam, it was supposed to be taking place in Philly, and I think they filmed in Vancouver, and they did just some pickup shots in Exactly. They did they some did. pickup shots in Philadelphia, yeah. Because we, we were there. We were there for that. <laughs> we were there for that. Holy smokes, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, because I saw something called Franklin, and I was like, I'm not going to go on a Ben Franklin thing. I don't fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're too tall for Ben Franklin. Come on. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Uh, well, a couple more things before we bring on our special guest um, over on HBO Game of Thrones prequel series Tales of Dunk and Egg. Uh, so that's the second spinoff of Game of Thrones. Uh, they just found its lead writer, which is going to be Steve Conrad. So he's going to serve as writer and executive producer for this uh, other series. Of course, we're already getting um, already getting the Targaryen House of Targaryen House of the Dragon. Sorry. Um, spinoff of Game of Thrones, and now we're going to get this Tales of Dunkin' Egg series. So um, I just hope they don't spread themselves too thin with all these like Game of Thrones spinoffs. Just get one series out and make it phenomenal, and then you can do the next one, you know. But uh, kind of like Walking Dead, where they have like too many. I, I don't know. I guess yeah. it, it, it does get to be overkill at times. Well, you know, I think a, a Walking Dead is ending at the appropriate time. Yeah, but then Don't it's going to be Carol and Daryl, so it's like not really ending. So it's like just they'll have that spinoff. They'll have Tales of the Walking Dead, and they'll also have um, Fear of the Walking Dead will continue. Yeah, Fear so, of the Walking Dead, I, I'm kind of getting into. I'm, the new yeah, I, I I really caught up on World Beyond. I kind of emphasize that because of Annette's interview that we had Mandrew yeah. talk, which is awesome. Um, but now I got to go back and watch the rest of uh, Fear of the Walking Fear. Dead. Yeah. I 
Sure. So when you want to talk about that, I'm I'm cool on that one. We will talk about that when we can, my man. But uh, speaking of AMC, uh, AMC is actually going to bring on a lot of the Anne Rice properties because a lot of big shows are ending. Um, Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, Killing Eve, they're all going to end in 2022. So they just greenlit um, Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Uh, so that's going to be an eight-episode series. Uh, executive produced by Masters of Sex duo Esther Spalding and Michelle Ashford, um, which will have an overall deal at AMC. So that they're going to surround themselves in the whole Anne Rice, um, you know, vampire type of stuff. Vampire type of stuff. Yes. Uh, expect to be that that be the central focus of that. So as long as they're not sparkly vampires, I'm okay with that. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Over on Netflix, Red Notice, um, 328.8 million hours viewed since its November 12th release, um, surpassed the the former number one film, Bird Box. So it's the most watched feature film in Netflix history. Uh, I have yet to sit down and watch it. Has anyone watched it on the panel? I know it didn't get the best reviews. But hopefully I'll get the chance to check it out. Um, just because uh, cast, I mean, because the cast is so good, they, people are just like watching it because it has rock and. Yeah, because it's rock, Gal Gadot, you know, Ryan Reynolds, you know, you think people want to watch it. But I'm actually really looking forward to this movie. It's a gothic horror thriller called The, the Pale Blue Eye uh, with Gillian too, Anderson. Yeah, 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 Gillian Anderson, Robert Duvall, Timothy Spall, Christian Bale, and Harry Melling. Um, I auditioned for a one-liner on this one. Did you really? Oh, I really oh, wanted. Oh, dude! It would have been what? a scene with. It was a scene with with Christian Bale. It was as a doctor. It was one damn line, but I guess I didn't get it. Is that oh, the one that's it's in Pittsburgh? Oh, is that in Pittsburgh? I thought there was going to be one of the Christian Bale thing coming to Philly, but I don't know what that is. Oh, maybe that is. Maybe they'll do some shooting there, but it's mainly yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Wow. So Christian, if you're listening, I'm still available. I know, right? For the young doctor. Yeah. The film the film focuses on an attempt to solve a series of murders that took place at the US Military Academy at West Point in eighteen thirty. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. wow. It's when Edgar Allan Poe was at West Point. Wow. Yeah. When Edgar Allan Poe was at West Point? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm too tall. Um, there's nobody there my <laughs> So that's uh, Netflix, but let's go ahead and welcome our, our special guest of the evening. We're really excited. Um, he, he's, a, he's a veteran actor, more than 75 TV shows and movies. To his credit, he's well, going to be the upcoming national champions. I just checked out the trailer. The trailer looks amazing. And it's something I've always thought about, about the, the college uh, um basketball players that, that don't get paid um uh but yet the agents do and it's kind of uh cool uh that concept but uh, we're welcoming on below the belt show actor tony winters hey how you doing mr al yes uh yes i'm al here and of course uh you're also talking with uh my co-host the actor extraordinaire vince eisenson vince vince good, good to meet you tony good to yeah. see you we Best also we also have Paul Darth Wallace uh, joining I us by audio. The Sith Paul. Lord is with us as well. Hey. The faceless Paul Wallace. Wallace, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul doesn't do video, huh? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, see, I'm not good with technology. My phone kind of sucks. So. <laughs> he's a Sith Lord. That's why he's all the way in the depths of the planet of Dothamir. Um, okay. But nonetheless, uh, Tony, you got to be excited. This is a huge film. I mean, you're working with an amazing cast. You have J.K. Simmons. You have Timothy Oliphant. You have Kristen Chenoweth, Uzo Aduba, who I just saw in New York the other day. Um, wow, you got a great cast you're you're working with in this film. Yeah, it's it's pretty outstanding. Uh, you know, I didn't know any of the names associated with the film uh, other than uh, Stefan and uh, J.K. And and then when I got cast and I started getting call sheets and scripts and everything, I started seeing the cast as I'm like, holy yeah. Toledo, this is <laughs> this is a very this is very special. You know, usually it's one, two, three, four names, but this right. is about ten. And, and and let me say that the uh, the the writer, Mr. Mervis, was very even-handed. They all have uh, character arcs. They all have interesting um, wow. stories in their own right that contribute to the whole. That's very important to know. And let's talk about your character. Okay. Um, you play uh, Wes Martin. You're a NCAA executive, which, uh, um, uh, according to the trailer, it's interesting that some of these executives make millions of dollars, whereas the players make zero. They and get they bupkis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They get bupkis. Yeah. It's a phenomenon. It doesn't seem quite fair. There's no uh, equanimity. If yes. You yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so, hey, if I got um, to college, I'm six right. foot seven, 320 pounds. So, I mean, I would have definitely got paid, but they didn't you pay would, me. They would, wait, they would have paid you? I mean, if they paid you. If it was a thing where you could get paid to play college football, I mean, I probably would have went because I mean, okay. I'm six foot seven, three hundred pounds, and that's just I was like, eh, whatever. Right, right. But it, it's true though. I mean, these college athletes um, eventually go on to the NBA, the NFL, you know, all the major sports leagues. But yeah, but they're they're playing for for these um, colleges that the people associated with, with the teams, like the coaches and the executives make yep. millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, make no mistake about it that a very small percentage of these guys actually make it to the NFL or the NBA or what have you, you know, right. Out of the 12,000 or so eligible players, 300, uh, you know, going to the NFL. So, right. uh, and many of them sustain lifetime injuries and, yep. uh, and and they need, you know, not only compensation, but they need insurance in many cases. Right. Yeah, 100% right about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk about who, who you work closely with in the cast? Uh, J.K. Nice. Uh, David Koechner. Um, Jeffrey Donovan. Uzo Aduba. Oh, okay. Wow. Pretty much everyone. Stephon James. Those, wow. Okay. Those my, but you know what? I had worked with Timothy Oliphant once before about 10 years ago. We did a film called The Crazies. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have any scenes together in this particular film, but. Uh, <laughs> was that the one that was uh, yeah, and, Ed Eisner? Because I worked with him on. Uh, yes. Yeah, because I worked with him on, uh, what's it called? The Last Witch Hunter. No kidding. Yeah. Good dude, Breck Eisner. Michael yep. Eisner's son, by the way. Ah, yeah. very cool. So when you see T Timothy Olsen on set, you're like, oh, it's good to see you again, right? 
I actually had no scenes with him. Okay. Uh, I was hoping to run into him at a premiere, but we're not going to do one for, for what? I guess, COVID reasons. Yeah. Oh, the in-person oh. events are starting to come back. I was like, man, I wonder if they're having a, a crazy premiere for this. So the film is going to have um, a theater release, and then it's going to go to video on demand as well? As I understand it, yeah. That, they didn't consult me on this on on, on these issues. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at. But that is my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So December tenth um, drop previously was supposed to be in theaters on uh, November twenty fourth, but it's pushed to December tenth. And and I got to tell you, I'll, I'll be seeing it along with you and Vince and Paul for the first time on the tenth because I haven't seen it. I've only seen bits and pieces. Right. Some ADR work on it. So okay. I really only saw a couple of my scenes and, you know, the ADR session is over before it starts. Right. So I'll be watching it unfold along with, you know, the rest of the audience. <laughs> and with this, we, another thing that's cool, um, uh, uh, Tony, is that this is not your first foray into anything sports entertainment related. You did some work on NBA 2K15, <laughs> uh, I, I, which I think is awesome. You were a coach, correct? Yes, I was. Yes, I yes. was. You know, you know what was the coolest thing about that job was uh, my son, who was a basketball enthusiast, and, and in, yeah. 20, in 2015 he had eyes on the NBA. Uh, today, as in his second year of college, he very much wants to be a sportscaster, and uh, yeah. I got to be the cool dad for about a, a year because I was in the video game that he and all of his friends played. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, how cool is that? Wow, that is so awesome. Yeah, very, very cool. So, (laughs) so you're a fan yourself, buddies, about that gig. Yeah, yeah. Did you play your own game at home yourself? You know, I I think (laughs) it's generational. I could, I tried, I tried, though, I might, I couldn't get the swing of it. I'm like, okay, this finger controls what, and this thumb does this, and you know. <laughs> it's come I, a long way since the uh, the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo AB. You only had two buttons to worry about back then. Yeah, and now I you have all these. Pong guy. <laughs> Remember Pong? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, going back to Atari, right? That's about as far as I got. That's my flavor, too. <laughs> what was it like working with Uzo? I just, like I said, I just ran into Uzo at her uh, SAG uh, for your consideration event for uh, in treatment her show on HBO oh, and she um, a, yeah she's a beautiful lady uh, we got along famously uh, lots of um, her character I, I'll, t- I'll tell you something I'll share something with you I haven't told anyone when yeah. I read the script I was immediately thinking a white woman for this particular mm. character I don't want to give it away but in right. my mind's eye, that's what I saw. And then, you know, when I got the cast list and I saw Uzo Aduba, oh, wow. It, it, it just blew my mind, man. <laughs> and she, uh, we had three scenes together and she was magnificent, <laughs> more magnificent in each one uh, mm. as she went along. She was, she's an amazing actress. Wow. Yeah, she yeah. certainly is. Um, certainly um, one of the greats, um, Orange is the New Black, Crazy Eyes. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's so and good I, at that. And I was a fan of Orange is the New Black, so right. I knew her as Crazy Eyes. And that was crazy really eyes. the only thing I'd ever seen her in. And yeah. in this one, she plays, I can just say, a completely different type of character. 
interesting yes yes that just shows her range which i think is really really cool mm-hmm. well, what about jk working with jk simmons i mean this guy is just an incredible actor and it's such a legend he really is and you know i was a big fan as most of us are uh largely from whiplash yeah, oh, yeah. that was my yeah. introduction to him and i thought you know even even though I've been doing this for more years than I'll care to admit, <laughs> I confused him with this character. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'm gonna just keep my distance. I don't want this guy going off. <laughs> but he is a sweetheart. Like, hey, he is the nicest. He is the nicest guy, and uh, mm-hmm. a, a consummate professional. Uh, has a way of working that I had never seen before. Uh, I, I I better leave it at that respectfully. Okay, <laughs> okay. no. Uh, but he is he's an amazing actor and and a and a really fun guy to be around. Detroit, uh, he's an Ohio State fan, and I grew up in Michigan, so we 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 were at loggerheads there. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> we got along just fine. Oh, this is awesome. Where and did you, you film this? Yes, please. New Orleans. Oh, okay. New Orleans. And, you know, I listened to him in a podcast today and he revealed this. So I guess it'll be OK if I do, too. We yes, never lived, please. We all stayed at uh, the Hyatt Regency. And that's where. Most of the movie takes place. Oh, yes. Oh, that's and really whole, weird. It was a, is a brilliant uh, business model, if you will, a, a business, an approach to the film. And, and and that's really all I can say. But a lot of the action takes place right there at the hotel, man. Wow. Oh, that's great. But yeah. according to the trailer, there's a lot of stuff uh, shot in the stadium. How, how are the logistics to shoot with that? I uh, My character yeah. didn't go there, so I can't really speak to that. Okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Wow. Well, let I'm me curious. ask you. I mean, you know we have some actors on here, but, you know, most yes. of us – we're lucky to get, you know, a day player here and there. So I got to ask, <laughs> when you're in a big movie like this, are you – they contract you from day one to the wrap or do they try to shoot around you or how does it work? Uh, I was there for, um, I was there in New Orleans for two weeks. Okay. okay. Uh, in May. Gotcha. And I was contracted for the two weeks. Great. Uh, great. But there are actors who get what is called, I believe the term is run of the show. Ah, yes. Okay. Uh, where you, even if you shoot, you know, one day in the first week and two days in the in the final week and it shoots for three months you're paid for the entire three months you know oh, what i mean awesome. yeah it's a pretty sweet deal good work yeah. if you can get it <laughs> wow and let's talk about some other projects because okay. uh yellow jackets um first of all um there's a lot of buzz about this show uh mm-hmm. premiered on showtime a couple weeks ago um, tell us about uh, your experience working on that set and your character. Okay. Um, well, my character, what was most, what, what really drew me to the project was that my character ages 25 years. You know, the the, the show is about a a group of high school uh, soccer players, girls championship soccer team, who's playing crashes in the Canadian wilderness. And in 1996, yep, uh, they're out there fending for themselves for two years, and then they're rescued and brought back to civilization. Right. So, and so uh, then there's a cut to you know 2021. So you have the girls in 1996 
and you have them in 2021. So you have your adult cast and you have your teen cast. The adult cast would, of course, include Juliette Lewis and Christina Ritchie and yes. uh, Tawny Cypress and some other Yes, great names. Yeah. And uh, so my character is is seen in, in 1996 and 2021. I play the vice principal at their high school. So uh, my uh, so you actually see me age or de-age, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. Now, so, how do they do that? Through makeup thing. or CG? All of the above. No, really? no, no, yeah. C, no CGI. It was okay, all uh, it was all makeup and costume. You know, uh, hair, hair had the. Did they give you a fro in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Because in 1990, I'm, I'm sorry, in 2021, I am who I am now. Right, correct. So I had to de-age okay. <laughs> or get younger uh, uh-huh. for the 1996 scene. So I've only seen the pilot, so I guess I, I actually didn't quite finish it because I was watching it right before this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's very good, by the way. So I haven't seen you in the current day yet, but I guess I've seen you in 1996. No, I'm only in the pilot episode. Oh, okay. So you're going to come back. i only in the pilot then. episode, yeah. I mean, in the later... Well, you have one of the early, uh, pretty funny lines, which was, uh, "We wouldn't, we wouldn't have minded if some of these kids uh, never came back." But the soccer team, that was a good soccer team. Yeah, some of these kids, man, you know, no big loss. Yeah. Yeah. But losing these girls was something very special. That is so cool. Why? Yeah. Ho- hopefully, if the show gets a, I don't know, can it have a second season if it's based on? You know, based on something. Is it based on a true story? No, not to it's my fictional. Knowledge. Okay, not so to my is, knowledge. Okay, so this this can expand for for another season. Your lips to God's ears. Yeah, I'll get a call next season. I thought I'd get one this season, but it was not to be. Okay. But as I'm watching it, I I guess in my mind, I thought I saw them jumping back to uh, scenes that took place in the high school, and they really aren't doing that. They're they're moving forward. So. Uh, it's okay. You know what I learned? I years ago I had a, a recurring role on on a show called Queen Sugar. I shouldn't say yes. years ago, four years ago, and um and yeah, I thought I was going to be on the show the entire run because my character owned a restaurant that was yes. frequented on the show by the rest of the cast. Right. Uh, but you know, after the third season. They got rid of me. They mm. said my character retired. Nobody called me and told me this, but the thing is, you learn as an actor never unpack your bags. Yeah, right. I mean, unless you're a series regular. Yeah, and even then, yeah, <laughs> you know, never get too comfortable. So, yeah, you know, I, every job is a blessing, and you know, if they call for more episodes, that's cool. If they don't, you know, I've, I've it's in the rearview mirror for me in most instances. Okay. By the time I'm talking to you guys about it, it's long in the rearview mirror. Right, right. But yeah. Queen Sugar must have still, I mean, for three seasons, it must have been an incredible experience. It really was. It, it was, yeah. um, um, I, I love the show because the show really allows for an actor to act. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas if you watch certain shows on television, I won't name names, the, the dialogue <laughs> has to be has to be rapid fire. Right. You know, and there's no time to act or think or react, but um, Queen Sugar allowed the characters to breathe, to take a moment. Yeah. You know, to 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 feel that space 
with with the audience thinking, with the character thinking, with the audience absorbing the the character absorbing the moment, and it it would to me it was just more like real life, you know, okay. than some of the stuff that uh, you end up doing in Hollywood. I love it. I what love are you it. guys anyway? We're all over the place. I'm I'm back and forth from Maryland to New York City. Okay. Um, uh, Paul is in the PA, Pennsylvania area. Vince, same as Al. I, I'm yeah. technically outside DC, but you know I have a crash pad in New York. So when I do book something in New York, I, I'm local. I'm, oh, okay. Know, so you got to make it work. Where are you, by the way? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. Very nice. So we're nowhere near you. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Keep your LA. distance, guys. Keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about working with Don Cheadle in. Um, <laughs> In this amazing uh, show, Black Monday. Um, now you're playing a jazz drummer, so right. curious if well, what drumming experience do you have, or it's something that you had to learn as soon as you were cast. Zero, dude. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, my character did not have to play the drums, so uh, we only talk about it. Okay. He was, he was trying to recruit me uh, to for his jazz label, for his yeah. record label, Momo. Wait, Mo. Mo Kokomo Records. Kokomo I, Records, okay. That's what it is, Kokomo. Yeah. And um, um, uh, and and so we should we only really have one scene together. But he was a prince, man. Um, uh, we had met socially a few times prior, and uh, so, and I, I'm a huge Don Cheadle fan. If you ever saw uh, Devil in the Blue Dress with Denzel Washington, yes. he plays Mouse. Oh, it, it yes. it's it's that performance when you suddenly take notice of a guy. You know what okay. I mean? Like yeah. a good example would be Brad Pitt and Thelma and Louise. You're like, yes. oh, who who is this guy doing the right, uh, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Every actor has has that moment. And Don yep. Cheadle's was in, at least for me, it was in uh, Devil in the Blue Dress. So it's always a huge kick, man, to get a uh, to get cast and work with you know people who you have huge respect for. And then when they turn out to be you know just generous artists on the set and and, and fine human beings that that's that's icing on the cake and i, I can say yeah. that about Cheadle, good dude i'm you know I've, I've never really had a bad experience with another actor on a, on a set that's good we have yeah. <laughs> right Vince? have you had a bad experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah not nothing uh, major uh, okay, nothing good. Major. he's going to talk about publicly yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's Don't want to burn that bridge, Vince. Huh? Yeah, no, I know. No, never do it. Never do it's it. 75 film and television roles on your IMDb from reading on your bio. Never had an issue with another actor. That's pretty. No, at at at, at worst, I got indifference from mm. someone. Mm. But no. And plus, you got to remember, man, I'm 6'2", <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> over 200 pounds. So I'm not really the guy you want to target or beat up on. You know what I mean? <laughs> that makes complete sense. Complete yeah, sense. I'm not wow. that dude. Yeah, no, that's what I'd like. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's yeah. talk about This Is Us. Um, this oh. is us is actually finally ending in six seasons. Um, you played opposite Sterling K. Brown uh, as Doctor Wilton, a psychologist. Interesting. I did, but you know, um, that that was my first job post COVID, hmm. and ah. uh, you know, I had to test like five times before. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was 
it was so restrictive. I mean, you stay in your, your trailer until they need you. And then right. you're brought to set. You have to sit in a pod that, that, you know, kept you apart from everyone else. And my yeah. scene with Sterling was actually a, uh, is not much different than we're doing now. It was a, uh, a Zoom call. Right. So uh-huh. I actually never met him. But, uh, you I'm, know, I'm starting a, was, to recall that scene, actually. Yes. Yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool job, you know. Uh, not one, not one that'll make the the real, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you gotta, you you gotta appreciate and be blessed about the work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially post COVID, yeah, because there's a lot of restrictions. As soon as like Hollywood started opening up again after you know COVID, and Mm -hmm. the rules were so strict, and they still are very strict. I mean, you have to test at least once or twice before you get on. I just did a Young Sheldon, and it was very much like, very much like my experience on uh, This Is Us. Hmm. Oh really? You just you yeah. just shot an episode of Young Sheldon. Oh, uh, a couple of months ago, yeah. A couple of months, yes. Yeah. How's how's that experience? Very very cool, man. Um, I played a porter on a train. Oh, okay. And my scene was with Ian Armitage, and oh, yes. for me, it was it was a small role, but they 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 gave me guest star billing. Nice. And, nice. Um, yes. And guest star money. Yeah, <laughs> really that's cool. always a plus. See, yeah. us actors know about that. The co- yeah. guest star versus co-star is a big deal, right? A big, a huge deal. <laughs> because I, I don't think I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would have taken the role otherwise. Ah. Uh, but okay. And, and but I'll tell you this. Uh, I for me it was it was a his. I put it in historical perspective. Yeah. Because if if you if you are an old movie buff like I am. I, I I I thought about the actors that came before me. I thought mm-hmm. about Clarence Muse and yeah. Willie Best and and you know Mantan Moreland, all these guys who had to don that uniform mm-hmm. and uh and, and play porters on trains. Ah, some yes. some in you know really stereotypical, embarrassing scenes. You know when we look at it through the lens of uh, the 21st century. Uh, so I was able to do it in, in, in modern times. So I, I felt like I was part of that continuum. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how I looked at it. Uh, wow. Well, that's it. I mean, you have such a wide range of roles you've yes, played. It looks like, absolutely. you know, I see, I see some common threads. You might be a judge a handful of times, but you really, it, are you open to pretty much any kind of role? It looks like. Well, well, I, to I a always degree. say, always say, I, I, I'm open to do everything but blackface and porn. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You're not against the blackface thing. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, when I when I started many moons ago, my north star was I don't want to do anything that's derogatory to black people but more importantly i want my grandmother to be able to watch it and be, be proud. proud yeah she's no longer with us but yes. i still i still carry that in my heart you know i want i want uh miss eunice griffin god rest your soul to be able to watch anything i've ever done and, and be proud of her grandson nice wow. nice yeah i love that wow and let's talk about this uh two degrees um <laughs> the series so you, this is your directing debut tony Oh, man. Uh, interesting, interesting, interesting uh, plot line. Um, a show where uh, a friend of a divorced man on a journey between his second and third wives, which in Hollywood is not too uncommon, right? <laughs> well, 
You know, I know a few guys who have been married three times, and the third marriage seems to stick. Uh, three uh, times a charm. My older brother, um, he married three times. His, his third marriage was his happiest. Oh. Um, you know, uh, my buddy, my buddy Carl, who this is all based on, uh, he is a real advocate for marriage and family, and he yeah. he op- he only can operate really well in the in the in the confines of a marriage. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. I married once, I did ten years, and I'm done. Uh, at least at this juncture. Oh, okay. So I, I'm really kind of okay being single, even at, even at my slightly advanced age. But Carl <laughs> went on such a journey between his second and third marriage that he decided he was going to uh, write a, a a a a series based on that experience. You know, dating, uh, getting on on the the dating apps and right. that sort of thing. And it was it was it went over so well the first season that he found an angel investor for the second season. Wow. And uh, and he he likes to think of it as kind of a black man's curb your enthusiasm. Yes. Nice. Yeah, because it's, it's I love it's that show by the improv. way. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's but I said, man, so he recruited me to write and direct uh, an episode in which cool. his character is challenged to do uh, a five minute stand up uh, spot. Uh, meanwhile, he's on two dates that he did not arrange for two women that he's dating show up at the comedy venue. So I called upon his his comic skills, his his physical comedy skills. His mm-hmm. physical comedy is not something you see a lot anymore. Yeah. I wanted him to channel his inner Dick Van Dyke, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His inner <laughs> Jack Tripper and get around his restaurant and try <laughs> to <laughs> and try to satisfy these two women on, on, on these two dates. So uh you had a lot <laughs> I love of fun it. With it. Yeah. Where where can we see more of this Two Degrees? Where can we see Two Degrees? Well, Two Degrees, the first season is is up on YouTube. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Again, so with the second season, we are looking for a better deal. You know, we want to find a streamer. So mm. uh, we're looking for Netflix, looking right, cool. for, um, you know, uh, all of the above. It looks yeah. like yeah, Michael Michael Beach was in that, right? Michael Beach did an episode with us. I was in oh, that. Okay. We all played yeah. kind of heightened versions of ourselves. Like yes. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And so I, I played Tony Winters and Michael Beach played Michael Beach. We also had um, uh, Michael T. Williamson. You might remember as Bubba Yes. Gump. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Great actor. Uh, great actor. A lot of, lot of notable working actors from, the, from Black Hollywood, if you will. Nice. Nice. Wow, it's amazing. I'm just looking at your IMDb, uh, Tony. It's 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 pretty awesome. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's well, crazy. You've been around long enough, Al, and you know, your number comes up every once in a while. Yeah. Here's what I want. Isn't going anywhere. Let's give him a job. You know. Here's what well, I, I want to ask about that. Yeah. I, I, Al, you have a question, but here's what well, I want to ask. Yes, please well, go. go Al, you go. You're the host. You you're the host. No, no, no. Well, I just had a question because it goes all the way from like childhood favorites like gremlins to the new new batch and loaded weapon one which is like the the spoof on on lethal weapon <laughs> yeah you know i mean uh i mean this is this is i mean I, you, you've been in the business for quite a while I, some of your earlier works what have so what are you proud of of some of your earlier works gosh um, from the 90s jake and the fat man from the 90s oh wow jake and the fat man man you are pulling them <laughs> from the bottom of the deck. <laughs> Gosh, well, you know what, Al? Each one is like a child. Each time you get cast, 
Yeah. Like, you know, thank you. Each one helps you pay your rent or it helped you <laughs> pay your car note or it just kept yeah. you, kept your agent interested in, you know, <laughs> submitting you. So everyone is is kind of special, but I had a couple of gigs very early on that that were most special. I, I'd say I had a recurring role on Days of Our Lives. Yes. Uh, yes. As as they they named the character after me, uh, mm-hmm. and then from there I got a recurring role on a show called Hunter with Fred Dreyer. I don't know if you remember that one. You oh, guys yeah. were in diapers, but uh, Fred Dreyer played a, a police detective. It was a long run. I think it went. Eight, seven, eight seasons. Yep. Yeah, on NBC, yeah. and I played the medical examiner, which was huge for me. It was my first recurring role on a primetime series. And, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was huge. And um, gosh, I, I I did a pilot that did not get picked up around that time. It was called. Um, uh, when I shot, when we shot, it was called Hannah. Then it it starred Scott Plank, uh, the late Scott Plank, and and a few others. Uh, NBC, I'm sorry, ABC did not pick it up. Mm. So Michael Mann. So anyway, when it aired, it was called L.A. Takedown. Yeah. And then Michael Mann, who I'm sure you both know, you all yeah. three of you know. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm not looking Paul, at your no picture. He took that same script and made a movie called Heat. Heard of it. Yeah. Their first film yes. where they were together. They had scenes together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was based on a pilot that I did at that time. But, you know, the crown jewel of my career prior to National Champions was a movie I did in 1991, 92 called Sneakers. You were in Sneakers? I- I remember Matt that. Richard, Sydney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, yes. uh, David Strait, and Mary McDonald. And I, I worked with them all. I was in the final climactic scene at the very end wow. of, the, of the movie. So I met everyone except Ben Kingsley. He was the only one I did not. Kingsley, wow. Not, we're just talking yeah. about that. <laughs> uh, But that had been the crown jewel of my career up until, uh, wow. Jake, until working on national champions national champions and I, it's yeah. interesting it's kind of like the alpha and the mega if you think about it well know? i i i hope i'm well, not omega just yet <laughs> well omega well i'm thinking at the, the the starting career in a very um uh recent movie but yes Thank omega you. omega <laughs> i should rephrase that because no, omega no, really it's, means it's all good of, man i i you know what i tell you vince you're you're a young man starting out in this business i don't know how long you've been at it. i can't really gauge your age but i think it's also, <laughs> that's it's good also, that's good <laughs> it's it's very important to understand where you are mm-hmm. you know in your right. in your in your personal arc right you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. and because you have to know like you know i can't play a 30 something dad anymore you know right. that ship has sailed i know where i am i know my instrument i know where i am now and mm-hmm. you have to be in touch with that as as a performer wow yeah you do you do wow and you have to um, figure it out i'm always kind of figuring it out because i start to see i get the 30 year old dad stuff and i'm not Mm -hmm. getting the late grad student stuff anymore (laughs) and and you know i don't know how in your mind you're thinking you're still the same guy exactly they they know man those casting directors they when they see your picture oh he's five years too old to play a a grad student now yeah right you know they they know yeah (laughs) They know. Yeah. So what? what, 
90210, yeah. You were actually in Melrose Place, though, weren't you? I did. I did. A, I did a cop on Melrose Place. <laughs> 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 so I got to go into the apartment complex and everything. Yes. Uh, That's an iconic show. Yeah, walked show, right, right past the pool. My partner and I had a scene with. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the young lady's name. Um, short little blonde Bob. Oh Tori yes, Spelling? Josie. Yeah. Jo- Josie Bissett. Yes. Wow, Josie man, you are good. Yeah. Uh, yes, with Josie Bissett. <laughs> um, yeah, that was. I was, that was, a, cool. I was a fan. <laughs> yeah, just is one. I played cops. I played rookie cops for the first ten years of my career, man. It was always Very police cool. breeze. Uh, you know, come with me. You're under arrest, and that, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I had. I, I had, love it. I had an agent in the '80s, and uh, it was called Feature Players Agency, mm-hmm. and. Right, you as you mentioned earlier, today it's just co-star and guest star. But before that, it used to be featured co-star and guest star. Right. Uh, the featured guy was the one with the one line, right? You know, or maybe two if you were lucky. Right. So I I was with an agency that specialized in the one-liner. Oh. So, yeah. Hey. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Keep waiting tables, dude. It's yeah. still principal pay too, you know. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's a payday. And I get wow. a lot of one and two and three liners, man. And yeah, yeah. Well, you said you mentioned national champions is is one of the pinnacles of your career. Um, what else is on your bucket list? I mean, you have seventy five TV shows and films already on your under your belt. Is there I, something I else? I think it's over ninety now, Al. But who's okay. <laughs> now, I guess I guess your publicist sent me an outdated bio, but nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what is, what is there left for you to do in your career? What do you want to do? Is there any particular genre type of character um, that you want do you want to still do and mark off that list? I'd love to. Um, I'd love to play an astronaut. Nice. Yeah, oh. I, you know, I, I'd love really love to do something science fiction. I'm up for a Star Trek right now. Yes. A two episode We're... arc. So that would be really cool. That that one I'd have to do in my older brother's memory because he was a Trekkie before oh, there cool. were Trekkies. Yeah, before they even coined the phrase. He was a huge fan of the show. Uh, I'd like to ride a horse. Sci-fi. Ride a horse. You know, oh, I, nice. I'd really like to play a cowboy at some point. Yeah. Um, um but other than that, man, you know, just really strong stories. I mean, when I read National Champions, all roads keep leading back to National Champions, quite literally, guys, it was the best script I had ever read. And, yeah. and that, I know that sounds like I'm blowing smoke, and I've read hundreds. Right. But quite literally, it was the best script I ever read. Awesome. And I was like, holy smoke, I get to be it. In this mother, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and Rick Roman Wah, uh, uh, you know, going further out into the weeds. Rick Roman Wah, the director, man, mm-hmm. this dude was amazing. He knew this subject matter backwards and forwards. He knew your character better than better than you did. And I I, I do a background on 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 a, a bio on all of my characters I play, but he had it all figured out, man. And, and, and further, he he could talk to you about your character, your motivations, your objectives, blah, blah, blah. 
and turn on a dime and talk to the cinematographer about lenses or the gaffer about lighting yeah. or, or the or the sound guy about what kind of mic to use. He mm. knew, man, he was <laughs> most impressive director I think I've ever worked with. I'm yeah. really anxious to see this film. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Tony, we, we really thank you so much for, for joining us here on Below the Belt Show, of course. <laughs> on December 10th, you can check out National Champions. Tony Winters alongside J.K. Simmons, Timothy Oliphant, Kristen Chenoweth, Uza Aduba. The, the list goes on. Um, some great, great actors and a great um, sports drama. I guess that's the genre, right? Sports yeah. genre, yeah. drama film. Um, thank you so much. And before we let you go, Tony, if you could, let us know who you are. Let us know, um, get a little plug for national champions. Let us know you're on Below the Belt show and add whatever other accolades you want to throw in there as well. Uh, sure. Hi, this is Tony Winters. I'm here on Below the Belt with the famous Al Sato and Vince Emerson. Uh, I'm hey, you got it on me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Let's start again. I'm not wearing glasses. So okay, we could do it's a little uh, harder to read. I'll okay. say Al Soto. Vince Eisenson. Okay. There you go. You Al it. Soto with Soto instead of Sato. And mine's the Wallace. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Tony Winters. I'm here on Below the Belt with Al Soto, Paul Wallace, and Vince Eisenson. You can watch for me in the upcoming National Champions opposite J.K. Simmons, Uzo Aduba. And Timothy Oliphant, December 10th. Nice. How's that? <laughs> that was rad. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you, guys. We can't wait You're to see man, it. Thank Tony. you so much, yeah. Tony. You're awesome. I look Thank forward you. to the next time, gentlemen. All right. Awesome. Take care. Have a good night. Thank you. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs> guys, that was an awesome interview, guys, with actor Tony Winters. Oh, wow. That a lot of things. That's a that's a working actor right there, man. That's what yeah. we all strive to be, man. So yes. that was a great interview on Below the Belt show. So, uh, well, let's uh, throw out a couple more things before we end tonight's uh, Below the Belt show. I know we we uh, we need to revert back to um, uh, the entertainment report, but uh, is everybody hanging in there okay? Yeah, as long as we're not going to talk about wrestling. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let me go let me go if you're gonna talk about wrestling I <laughs> well we got we gotta go <laughs> I, I do want to talk to wrestling of paul about one aspect but that's about it but uh, right. uh let, let's just go let's just continue from where we left off because uh some cool cool awesome things happening and, and we're almost actually wrapped up the the report anyway so okay all right all right so that's disney plus that's marvel all right all right uh, returning to the entertainment report, let's talk a little bit about Amazon. Um, anyone a Lord of the Rings fan in the room? Um, they are just are just uh, gearing up for season two of the Lord of the Rings um, series, a live action on screen um, Lord of the Rings project, which actually moved from New Zealand to the UK. So this will actually be the first really time. Yeah, this will be the first time. Uh, a UK has been uh, used for locations for Lord of the Rings because they've always used New Zealand. Um, so uh, that'll be interesting. I guess there's some logistic issues, you know. Uh, we're going to see season one in September of 2022. And episodes will uh, roll out on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, they're already start, starting production on um, season two already. So uh, Yeah, I'm too tall to play a Hobbit, though. <laughs> You're an elf, man. You could be an elf. 
Do they not have elves on the show? Elves. Oh. Yeah, I, don't think, have... I think elves are short too, but no, they're what? tall. Aren't... Elves are pretty tall, I think. I think. Are you sure? Because I thought elves were like midgets. Well, the Christmas elves are are short people, but yeah, the... but in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they're they're normal okay. sized. Oh, okay, normal yeah. Sized. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Marvel's Mrs. Maisel just dropped a trailer for season four. Um, yeah, this uh, still going strong. Marvel's Mrs. Maisel, and this is uh, um, always uh, gets a lot of award noms. Um, so, um, anyone a Marvel's Mrs. Maisel fan in the room? Meh, yeah, a little bit. Meh, right. <laughs> I need to see more I of it. I kind of lost some different things, but I mean, I, I'm not a big. Uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, have you watched any? I was sorry, have you auditioned for it, Vince? I did a a featured background? featured Just background. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. You can definitely see me. I had, you know, who called me was Scott Goodhue sent me a text no way. to say, "Dude, were you on Mrs. Maisel?" I was like, "Yeah, you saw." Oh, me. that's so awesome! Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> but, oh, something know. to look forward to. That's awesome. Uh, over on Hulu. All right. So Cara Dettling has been cast as a series regular in season two of Hulu's Only Murders in the Building, which stars, of course, um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And this mystery comedy oh. series is a big, big hit on Hulu. Yeah. And, uh, you saw it? Yeah. Is, is, I have yet, okay, cool. I have yet to tune in, but it's, I mean, that's two legends right there. I mean, Steve Martin and Martin Short. And then you're that adding like, like that years ago. I mean, it's like they, they could done the, they could work together on so many different things. Right. Yeah. But now they're on this hit series, which, hey, better late than never. And oh, Cara Devlin is gorgeous. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure. Um, all right. Over on Apple. All right. So Alfonso Cuaron, um, he's the man behind um, Roma and Gravity, uh, has his a series set for Apple. Starring Kate Blanchett, Kevin Klein. Um, and it's a thriller uh, called Disclaimer. Uh, around, uh, revolves around Catherine, a respected TV documentary journalist whose work has been built on revealing the concealed transgressions of long respected institutions. Okay. Um, you just give us a disclaimer on the disclaimer. Yeah, I, I gave you the disclaimer. On the disclaimer. <laughs> so check it out. Um, let's see. Over on Peacock, um, Juliette Lewis um, has joined the cast uh, of um, Queer as Folk. They're doing a reboot of Queer as Folk on Peacock, along with Ed Begley Jr., Armand Fields, Chris Renfo, Eric Grace uh, are also a part of the cast as well. And that's in production in New Orleans. Um, so, uh, check it out. Um, and we mentioned This Is Us because our guest Tony Winters was in This Is Us and they just dropped the trailer for the sixth and final season of This Is Us. This Is Us seems to be the only network TV that's, um, got any award, like, like yeah. consideration. It is. Like yeah. everyone goes to streaming, cable, like yeah, right. network. Network TV doesn't get any love except for This Is Us. Like literally, that's the only thing, you know. That's um, it. I can't think of any other. I mean, I, yeah, well, I kind of um, like yeah. that show, Average Joe, with a different uh, spin on things. Did you see that? Average Joe. Like no. he he had like choice and like young in life, and like he chose like either to be a police officer, or a singer, or 
married this woman that he met at like graduation. Is that, is that scripted like, or reality? Of, it's scripted. Okay, it's scripted. I'm not familiar with that show. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was cool, a cool concept to have three different like outcomes of the same character. But yeah, no, I'm not familiar with that. That's interesting. I mean, NBC, of course. I mean, they're big for sports, and of course, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I hope everyone here had a great Thanksgiving. But 25 million viewers uh, uh, for the Thanksgiving Parade, which is insane. Um, and uh, NBC will also uh, be airing Saturday Night Live. Oh, sorry, NBC will also be airing the. Um, Miley's New Year's Eve party hosted by Miley Cyrus and Pete <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> That's quite Boy, the that sounds like a train wreck right there, doesn't it? <laughs> Pete apparently is dating Kim uh, Kardashian now. Yeah, apparently they're, really? They're an item now, which is crazy. Wait a second, how's that possible? Isn't Kim still married? Kim, Kim and Kanye split. Oh, did they? I don't know that. Yeah, they're split. So. That Aladdin Jasmine Carpet ride. Really yeah, did you out. see the kiss? Did you see the kiss for the, the Jasmine Carpet yeah, ride? Yes, they did kiss. Yeah. Yeah. They kissed in that skit, man. That's all it took. Damn. Man, that's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, so all three of us are SAG after actors. The Screen Actors Guild's um, upcoming SAG Awards, which I've been a part of for at least two or three times. It's been a lot of fun. They're actually making a venue switch. No longer going to be in the Shrine Auditorium and Expo Hall since 97. They're go- they're actually moving to a hangar. A Santa Monica's Barker hangar. You know, a place where fucking airplanes fly through. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So they chose the hangar because it's a blank canvas and they can create anything that they want in a vast space to accommodate all our needs for the carpet, showroom, and post-awards gala. Could be awesome. Well, whether this space people out, he's in a hangar, but that's true. And whether they will do the the SAG um, lottery for SAG members uh, remains to be seen. Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting, right? Um, uh, let's see. Trevor Noah will return as the host of the Grammys. We'll MC the the Grammy Awards that will be uh, taking place on January 31st from the Staples Center. And uh, yeah, man, um, you know, I haven't tuned into the Grammys in a minute, but um, I know that they've expanded the um, nomination field, um, which makes sense, of course. Cause you know a lot of a lot of award shows are now making genderless categories. Mm-hmm. You know, no longer male artists, female artists of the year. Same with the acting um, award show. Yeah, I don't, you I know, don't know. I, I don't like that. Best though, performer. Works... Yeah. What do you guys think of the genderless actors um, awards? I mean, one could argue, I, I think... okay, that it's an even playing field, and that's fair. It's good. Also, another thing against it is that less there, there'll be less opportunities. Yeah. For both men and women, because you're combining them into mm-hmm. one category, right? You're right. And and as I said, some some roles men will be better at and some roles women will be better. I mean, right. Like, I mean, you're not I mean, I can't say you're not going to have a great female action star, but it's like it's probably going to be tough to beat The Rock. I mean, am I right? <laughs> yeah well it depends well he's like not really at, he's, yeah. he's rock hasn't been nominated for an acting award yet he's no, just, i know but i'm just saying like his action <laughs> so like, just, sure, i'm just saying yeah, like right. women would be better like for like the romantic leads and stuff like that mm-hmm. and guys would be better for like action star leads and stuff well just, if we're talking for the scope of award shows which is focused yeah, I mean, strictly on acting ability yeah. um i think it's okay as long as the gen- the generalist categories are okay as long as it's the the nominees field has expanded 
They do it like they do for the Grammys, where yeah, they just, expand it to like ten to twelve. Not yeah, me. expand it. Well, like That's, you said, well with the Gotham, you know? I mean, it's good. They had these, I guess, ten person or more, there yeah. were more nominees, and it was nice that there were some ties. Yes. But if there, there weren't, then well. that's fewer awards. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a tough call because I know like non-binary actress Asia Keaton, who we mentioned earlier, she was all about the genderless category. She identifies as non-binary. Um, I'm sorry, they they identify as non-binary. Um, uh, which in which case, uh, that would be a a positive thing to make it a genderless category. So sure, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think they've they've usually been in the best supporting actor yes. category. Oh yes, yeah. see, see that so that's the it's thing. Like, I guess so, they had to choose, which yeah, right. I could see that would get old having to choose. So right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. So interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I, I'm sure Ellen Page will, will, will feels the same way. She just. Um, oh, actually, it's not Ellen Page anymore. I don't think. Elliot. Yeah, Elliot Page. Yeah. See, I'm already. Chachi would not stand for this, Al. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, Elliot. <laughs> I don't want to get canceled. Like, I mean, apparently Dave Chappelle was in D.C. at the D.C.'s Duke Ellington School for the Arts, and apparently had mixed reactions because of, you know, some people uh, want to cancel Dave Chappelle because of his comedy that. And it's just jokes that were aimed towards a transgender community. Um, but despite Chappelle um, makes fun of everybody, and that's the glory yeah. of Dave Chappelle. You that's know what I mean? Thing. It's like Yeah, I mean that's the thing we talked about on the show before. when you have to like be careful about what you say because comedy's not comedy if you have to edit yourself. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, but we're in a, a different age now, it seems. A different time and age now. And um but despite you know, some students, you know, up in arms, the Duke Ellington School for the Arts will rename its institution's theater to uh, the Dave Chappelle Theater. You know, they'll name it after Dave Chappelle, no matter the outcome of the fundraising contest. Um, apparently, um, they're doing a fundraising. It, right. yeah, they're sticking to it as well. You know, yeah. I mean, well, you know, he's a Dave trailblazer Ch in comedy. He you know, is a trailblazer, yes. And, the, you know, he's doing other th other than comedy. He's he, he has a... Um, a film called Untitled. It's a documentary about putting on a live comedy show while grappling with the pandemic and the aftermath of the George Floyd's murder. So it'll be a documentary about putting the comedy show during that during that time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. I mean, some students um, called Chappelle a bigot, you know, um, which is crazy. I mean. Uh, but but do you know what the funny thing is? How much you want to bet they were white students calling a black guy a bigot? Do you know how bad that sounds? Yeah. Am I right weird. or wrong about that? Yeah. It's like that's yeah. hypocritical. Yeah. I think it yeah. sadly might have been people who didn't watch it. That's the thing. I actually don't yes. have any opinion on this because I actually haven't seen that special okay. yet. I'm curious a lot of people weigh in without it. seeing it. After so, watching this, let me know your thoughts because oh, uh, okay. yeah, I, I did see it. And the thing is, I mean, he basically said he dedicated to a trans person that he knew that committed suicide and right. they were criticizing him for it. And it's like, he was, he was like talking about somebody he knew who was treated badly. Because, yeah. And befriended and opened up for him and everything. I mean, it's like, you can't punish somebody for saying, you know what I mean? People should Absolutely. be allowed to say what they want. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head, dude. 
for I, I sure. I think what should be canceled is cancel culture should be canceled itself. But I mean, am I right or wrong? I mean, it's like this. It's this, some, this, this, in some regards, there, there's there's some people like like the, the the Harvey Weinstein's and people that have done really horrible things that that I mean, like for instance, the new cancel culture. Let's see. Um, I guess Chris Cuomo was indefinitely canceled, so he could be back. Mm-hmm. But apparently, they evaluated Chris and that he. Oh was kind of covering up for um, New York governor, former New York governor, yeah, Andrew Cuomo, for his sexual harassment allegations. So, yeah, but the thing is, Chris Cuomo, how is he not canceled already for, like, faking COVID? It's like, God, you fake COVID. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Did he fake COVID? Wow, I didn't know. Is that, has it been proven? <laughs> I think it was proven, yes. Did he fake COVID? Wow. He fake COVID, yes. Anyways, so, I mean, Anderson Cooper's taking his place, you know. It's <laughs> so funny. Speaking of COVID, um, we've got to watch out for this Omni- Omicron variant because a person in California who was vaccinated against COVID became the first in the U.S. to have an identified case of the Omicron variant. So It wasn't LeBron James, was it? It wasn't LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> but please uh, isolate this guy in California. Don't Bring it anywhere in the U.S., please, um, because it's crazy. Because people are getting vaccinated and still getting COVID. For instance, Brian Adams, uh, singer Brian Adams, tested positive for COVID in the sec for the second time in a month. Is he in Canada? And yeah, and he was. Well, he was actually uh, receiving. He was in Italy when he was oh, uh, when he was yeah when he was receiving treatment, and um, yeah, tested positive at the Milan airport. Malpensa Airport, so he had to go to the hospital, and of course, you know, um, you know, he had previously tested positive during the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so he couldn't be a part of that, you know. But pretty, pretty crazy, man. All right, so um, yeah, I think that's all I have. I only have, I have a little bit of wrestling. I'm actually, we'll, actually, we'll you can let me go wrestling. if you're gonna wrestle. We're gonna let we're gonna let Vince Vince Eisen drop oh, off. No. Vince Eisen, Vince, all about wrestling. Then he'll be a big fan. All right, so this is what I'm, this is the little kind of the magic of editing. This okay. will be dropping off. However, we're going to do cut to our amazing interview of Annette Mahendry. Was that an amazing Vince that we got to do that? Yeah, it was very amazing. Did you get to work yeah. with her yet? Well, Vince yeah, worked with her. on Zoom. We yeah. got to work with her on Skype. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I worked with her on um, Sally Patchlock years ago. As well. It's interesting. And during the interview, she mentioned she had, hadn't played an American character before since Hawk. But we reminded her that Sally Patchlock, she played an American character. She's like, you guys are right. So I thought it was kind of <laughs> cool. She's such a sweetheart. So we're going to actually um, play the interview okay. and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk all about uh, some WWE stuff, but we're going to ha- go ahead and let Vince Eisenson um, leave the build, the virtual building, if you will. Yeah. Vince, thank you so much for joining us here on BTB. My pleasure. This was a wide-ranging and uh, stimulating interview. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I Stimulating in more ways than one? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's why well, I got to yeah. go. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, Vince. Bye-bye. All right, so here it is, Annette Mahendra on Below the Belt Show. Special interview time on Below the Belt Show. We are so excited to welcome actress extraordinaire Annette Mahendru, Jennifer Hawk Malik on The Walking Dead World Beyond. Uh, Annette, it's it's so great to have you here on BTB. So good to be here. 
Wow. And I, I've been watching. I, I'm all up to, I'm all caught up in that. Um, luckily, I have AMC Plus. So I watched episode eight. And I got to say, Annette, your character is so complex because at first you were like the mole against the good guys. And then now you're kind of like a mole against the bad guys. And uh, that's just talk about a crazy, crazy character arc that your character has to go through. I'm a shapeshifter. What can I say? <laughs> very, very intriguing uh, character. And I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Huck makes it through because uh, we know about some association with these Rick Grimes movies and Walking Dead World Beyond. So, you know, we're kind of excited for the potential of, of some of our favorite characters showing up in uh, these Rick Grimes movies. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just one of those things. Well, I guess so I'll... you're an aide because you're you're press or you have AMC Plus, right? Because yes. For the normal folks, Seven just aired, and for and I haven't seen any of it, so I'm just relying on the scripts and hoping they didn't change anything. Oh wow! You haven't no, seen you just... season season one or two. I haven't. I've been, you know, I've had my second child here, so I'm in um, baby mode. I might say some things I'm going to regret later. (laughs) Congratulations, by the way, on the new baby. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So that's where I'm at, and I'm just remembering what I've shot. I mean, it's in my DNA at this point, so I feel like... Yeah. Well, I was... I don't think it's interesting when an actor doesn't want to watch their own work. This uh, is very unlike me. I okay. I love to watch my Okay. Work. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't played myself yet. I, I don't know if I'll ever will. It's like versions of myself maybe, but it, I don't play an ad ever. It's always like a different, I just go with the story and sort of go method and transform. So I, I don't feel like I'm watching myself, if that makes it less... Um, um, like full of myself or whatever you call it. <laughs> wow. Well, You're watching I, the character, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a different world. It's not, you know. I don't feel like I'm staring at myself in the mirror. Okay. Like, oh, well, great. <laughs> well, I think a big part of it's the accent. Is Huck's accent because I'm I'm still very intrigued and trying to figure out that that you have a Queens, New York accent. I kind of looked that up, so I was accurate on that. It was New York. And then your mother, um, Elizabeth, played by Julia Orman, is English. So how does that work? I guess she makes me more American or English because she's speaking, like, proper English. And, right. And, well, I suppose I, I'm a foreigner myself. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she helps me with my English because I I've never played American I suppose this is maybe my first American you know full-on like American role so wow that's interesting and, to know and then uh um Pollyanna is you know also has a British yes um accent which she doesn't play that but uh it's been funny I've actually like some words she'll say like garage too and i would have garage. i felt my american have to be like hey it's garage <laughs> <laughs> so it's been kind of nice in that way i feel like i was you know american this time around 
Uh, that was well, you cool. were on the Americans, right? I mean, yeah, but I was on. a Soviet spy. <laughs> that's true. So give me a break. <laughs> yeah, that's that role completely made me. It's like I'm on the Americans, but I'm a Russian actress now, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm I'm from Queens, actually. Oh wow. <laughs> but you have, but you do, you did speak Russian before that, right? I mean, I did. You know, when I was, I was in Russia when I was, gosh, when I was like seven years old, and then I, I did most of my growing up in New York, so. Uh, it's just that my parents have accents. My dad is Indian, so I kind of sound. Yes. I grew up in a. I've spent time in Afghanistan and Germany, so you know. It's yeah. Just, like, sound funny, cool. I suppose, but I'm okay. just like. <laughs> no, that's useful. <laughs> I think that's useful as an actor <laughs> if you can. French CRM hats. Yeah. <laughs> I bust out a French accent here in a second. Oh, so that was that was a very natural thing for you to do as Huck, yeah, is this to bring on that Queens, New York, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I was twins in high school, and so mm -hmm. I just, um, yeah, I, I felt, I felt like uh, I knew, I knew Hug from back in the day. <laughs> that is amazing. Can we talk about the beginning? I guess the casting process of uh, of you uh, getting the role of um, Huck, and also um, if you were a Walking Dead fan prior to being cast in the show, did you watch any of it? I, I did, you know, I, I feel like it was like friends, you know, it was something that was part of growing up, but I've never, I, I've had to like sit down again and sort of start from the beginning mm. to, to feel, I don't know, current or uh, a big John Barenthal fan. And, you know, because I started from the beginning, it was Shane's and, and Rick's relationship, right? Right. And then, you know, I had to jump into the audition and it was it, it was mock sides between Felix and Huck. And so we were sort of like two cops talking to each other, oh. being shady, trying to do something good. But but being shady because you can't you can't, you know, work within the parameters and really get to the bad guys, I suppose, you know. Yeah, I, I knew. So that was sort of Huck, and she was trying to convince Felix to do something, which, you know, he was like a purist, and he's like, I'm not down with that. And she's like, no, you are, because I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, make sure you're going down, too, if you don't, because this is really important to me. Anyhow, so I kind of took Rick and Shane and, and, and ran with it, because that's all I had of our world, our new world. And Perfect I, examples I to follow, Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it worked out for them. There you go. That is amazing. <laughs> and you shoot uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, tell us about that experience. Uh, Richmond is just a budding area of, of, of film and television right now, it seems. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. cool to, to have that here. I loved it there. You know, going in season one, we thought we'll be there forever. And Nico and I were looking at, you know, houses moving. <laughs> so that was fun. And, you know, that kind of fell apart and so we, we really fell in love we were ready to build our homes there really oh that's awesome but it's great I, I ended up because I was in Richmond and now I ended up in Nashville I just kind of kept going more south south yeah just it's all right that we didn't end up staying there I found um, mm -hmm. uh, another city that I love <laughs> even oh, more cool. But that is a cool city. it was a it was really a friendly, you know, southern hospitality. We 
I felt right at home. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Let's talk about uh, just working with some of the cast because I mean, you're working with Nico, who I've, I've met. He's a really cool guy. I did some work on Younger, um, and I also went to the um, New York Comic Con uh, panel that you guys had in 2019, which was awesome. Um, you guys had a really good panel, um, and of course, uh, Julia Ormond, who plays your mom, and Pollyanna McIntosh. I mean, just let us know what what's it like working with such great talent. Ah, uh, I, I mean, it's just playing pretend to the fullest. You just yeah, they're uh, great players who are diving in completely, and it comes so natural to them at this point. And you know, they're there for the craft, and and that's that was really wonderful this season because you're, I suppose you're with veteran artists, and it's it sort of you know season one. It was the, the younger troupe, right? And they're also, they play pretend still a little bit like kids, right? And right. So that was also awesome because you're just running through the woods together. <laughs> yeah. Although, they, you know, they're cool because they're, you know, uh, young adults and they don't yeah. want to the craft, but they're doing it still naturally. They're not faded or tainted yet in, 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 as, uh, as performers. And then Julia and Pollyanna, they, take it more seriously and and there's beauty in that and so you just get to be on a playground really and commit fully and uh i've never you know huck is probably the most favorite character i've played to date because of the world the walking dead you know the solid world that they've built and that we just got kind of got to jump into uh and yeah, because Huck was just really solid. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. Know. Huck is badass. I mean, my God. I guess we could talk about it. I mean, you shot one of uh, the perimeter um, residents in the head. I mean, <laughs> it's just insane. It just blows my mind. I mean, I know we're, the episode has already aired, people. Okay, guys? <laughs> but, but yeah, just that was a WTF moment for me, that, that particular scene. Um, I believe his name is Brody, right? The gentleman uh, that you were working with in that so, scene. I- I guess we're we're gonna air this. Um, yes, this is after this is after okay. Sunday. Yeah, this is after uh, Sunday. Yeah, because I'm a little yeah, ahead. That was that was hardcore. Yeah, well, yeah, she just does what she needs to do, and she makes decisions mm-hmm. like these hardcore decisions in in no time. I mean, I have respect for that. It's kind of <laughs> like me personally. I'll sit on something and overthink it, and she just is a true soldier. There's just that's it. Done. Mm. There's no time. Uh, and yeah. I, I love that about her. She just commits. Yeah. It, it was either you or him, and, and you, quickly you chose that you were definitely worth saving versus him. So. I know, that's <laughs> crazier what she did in season one, right? With um, what's his name? Was it the cousin? Uh, see, I was there a few days, but I haven't seen it either. I know they, they blew the head off of Percy's uncle. Was that you? Yeah, yeah, that was. That yeah, was, that was you. Okay. That was yeah. me. Uh, so that was kind of gnarly, and then this one was kind of like a deja vu. It's like, geez, just. And then, and then I also took down, or Huck took down her, uh, Drake, the love of her life, and see, yes. also just like shot to the head. I mean, right. God. Hardcore. Uh, hardcore. We well, love I guess her, we hate her. 
we we love her and hate her at the same time, but at the same time, she's my favorite character. Huck is is my favorite character on on the show for sure. Um, but let's talk about the use of firearms on set because uh, the, you know obviously a lot of controversy and that on set tragedy with that Alec Baldwin film, uh, Rust. Um, describe uh, how the firearms are used on the show and and are we dealing with props? Are we dealing with legit firearms? And and what is done on set to ensure everyone's safety for those. You know, my mom went there, too, and it's good you, you bring that up because when that happened recently, I, I thought about, the, you know, the, that specific scene we just discussed as well. Yeah. It's kind of really close encounter. Yeah. We, you know, we, this is obviously, we waited through COVID, through a whole, we waited, I think, almost nearly a year to go back to shoot because all the protocols uh, were being figured out and, and right. went in and there was constant testing masks and shields and adjustments because it, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to be intimate and, and make televisions with the distance, the, the shields and the, yeah. just all the, the COVID protocols. Right. But we did our best and we sort of figured out how to be safe and how everyone, how the crew can do what they need to do, right? Check the firearms every time, mm-hmm. deliver them safely and be there with us. And I feel like we were able to do it just as well and safely as we were season one, even though we had, you know, the masks and just all the uh, health safety we had to follow as well as, you know, just do our thing. Right. So, uh, you know, that we checked, we checked the weapons every time and it was absolutely, you know, there wasn't a moment where I felt like I was going to hurt, actually hurt somebody or, Mm -hmm. you know, where the actor playing Brody felt, uh, you know, unsafe. I mean, one of the things the walking dead does, I think they really, make sure all the stunts and everything is executed to the utmost safety. And I mean, Nico and I on the set, they, you know, we, we've trained all along season one, we were constantly in and out training for, you know, the, the um, physical scenes and with our new weapons, the S poles and, and everything we basically used, there was constant training going on when we were not shooting. And so I've we've done most of our own stunts or we've done, you know, as much as they would let us do because we just felt like we've had the best trainers and the best stunt coordinators and just the best sets, to be honest. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I don't have, I never felt, you know, unsafe right and a lot of the effects are in post as far as the gun effects or they are they okay the effects is constantly you know following us around and and marking now you've been so you were shot spoiler on on the americans did you how did you feel about that did that feel safe i you know i i like i said (laughs) i go so method that Mm. you actually felt it before before the scene i you know i you check everything and then once i'm in it i I'm I'm Nina or I'm Huck and um, you know 
And that's why a great team is important because I think once the actor is, you know, I, I don't even like to be called an ad, you know, once the director goes, says um, action, and mm-hmm. if there's any minor adjustments or an ad, it's your cue. Like I will ask, hey, say huck, because I'm not in the mind state of an ad when I'm working. Yeah. Um, and that makes that that makes wonderful work, I think, because. Sure. I mean, it's whatever you need to do, but uh, the reason I, I do what I do is because I, I want to be, I want to do, you know, Huck, I want to do the writing, the world justice, and I'm I'm not walking in a net looking cool with a gun. I'm a, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a trained um, staff sergeant. And yeah. I, and we had sergeants come and train, you know, train us for those scenes. And and so it's it's hardcore, you know, you just... And as an actor, you ask as much as you need to to feel good and feel safe to execute what you need to do. And I take my work really uh, seriously and and uh, responsibly, I suppose. Okay. It goes Very in. Nice. Very nice. Uh, you're actually not too far from Richmond for um, a movie, Sally Patchelock. Uh, you yeah. talk a little bit about that experience. Uh, was that an that was an American role though, right? That's, you're that's, right. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that your big, that was your big break, right? That was my big, you know, and that was the director, um, Alyssa, she watched The Americans, and when she was mm. casting her film, she was like, yeah. oh, that's Sally. And oh, wow. Okay. At that point, I was in such shambles because I just, I was just stereo mm. uh, cast, stereotype. Stereotype. Oh, stereotype. Yeah, like, stereotype. Typecast, typecast. I had to like prove to casting that I could speak English and. Oh wow. Oh wow. Like, because like, they were like. Anyway, and then the fact that Alyssa, you know, the, was watching me, doing my my Russian Soviet stuff in the '80s and thought I'm Sally Patchlock, you know. <laughs> was pretty cool and gave me a lot of confidence that it was not, that my American career wasn't over. There you go. <laughs> uh, it, was an indie, it was an indie film. And right. So I, I loved it. It was fun. You know, Walking was fun Dead film. was sort of not, I was the not indie. of an indie yeah. film. Yeah. You'll never forget your vitamin B12 anymore, right? After yeah, watching that, that. that's a really important story. And, and um, people still write me how that really helped them figure out their... Uh, deficiencies and figure out what was going what was wrong with them and why they were feeling what they were feeling health-wise so uh, i'm very grateful i got to tell her story okay uh can i ask if you've seeked any acting mentorship from your father-in-law mel gibson (laughs) (laughs) you know i i haven't talked about that much Uh, yeah I mean, I've I've seen most of his films, so I it it moved things within me watching his work, uh, and I don't know. It's like being in his presence, like being in in the presence of Elizabeth or um, Julia, right? Yeah. There's sort of it's just the someone that comes out of a movie, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so you're you're turning <laughs> to a fan who kind of can tie two words together and so <laughs> oh really wow okay in in cap incapacitated 
with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, by that, right? Yeah. Because you just, when you watch someone on screen and then you're trying to be normal. But we mm-hmm. have a relationship and um, so that's where I'm at. With so that. we'll see you in Lethal Weapon 5 is what you're saying. <laughs> You can't say it. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> He's directing did, that. You're I right. I did actually just kind of work with him. I did a film uh, with Mark Wahlberg, Father Stu, while shooting uh, World Beyond. Oh, cool. wow. It just, yeah, uh, that was kind of cool. I got to briefly leave set, and they let me because our creators are so awesome. Uh, awesome. That was pretty heavy this season. I was just like you know, literally praying and with the COVID protocols and quarantining. I don't know how it worked out, but he was on that movie as well. Uh, That's right. um, So we sort of crossed paths creatively. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Got a little family bonding time, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His son, my husband, is a writer-director, and we just did a film uh, together that's getting released soon called Manifest West. Louis Gibson and his yeah. partner Joe Deitch directed. Also a very American story about an American story going off the grid. Oh. Uh, you got sweet. another Walking Dead alum, Michael Cudlitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Season one in Virginia, and Michael came and directed an episode. And so we all hung out. and. Oh, cool. You know, and then we went and did this movie together. So wow, it's, it's a big, you know, it's the TWD family. It's a really yeah, cool. Walking Dead family. I, I think that's really, really cool. Um, and he actually directed you, uh, Michael Cudlitz. In so episode? he directed the episode. I think it was 107, where Hug does her whole military thing. So I was sur- surrounded by sergeants, the trainer, and then Michael you know, his Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was just sandwiched, and it was such a cool episode because that's when we see Jennifer and her, you know, in her prime. Uh, I think I did work on that day in the bar. And again, sadly, I haven't yeah. seen it. But I, I remember being in the bar, and you were, like, playing darts with, I guess, your boyfriend. Yeah, and that's when the apocalypse happened. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There? Greens. We have a like a thirty second romance at the jukebox, and then the, yeah. the world's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always happens. So, yeah, yeah. So directed that, and then my husband directed him in Manifest West, the film we did nice. together. We were both Michael and I were both actors in the film. Cool. I love that. That is so cool. That uh, that Walking Dead universe. Uh, you know, because you're almost like you're still watching Walking Dead. We're seeing two stars from the Walking Dead franchise and then movie together. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I, we mentioned this off the air, but congratulations. You're a new mom. How is... Uh, well, I'm old new mom. Oh, sorry. One. <laughs> a, a new mom again, sh- shall I rephrase? Because a new mom you, again, yes. Yeah, new mom again. <laughs> Your second baby. Can you tell us... Uh, yeah, how's, every, how's, how's mommy and baby doing uh, since, since uh, you just recently had your baby? Well, speaking of the Walking Dead family, he's sort of Walking Dead family because I, I literally got pregnant like the first day we started shooting uh, <laughs> season two. So <laughs> my baby has been doing everything with me. So I, could, I attribute 
my work this season to my baby. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he just I mean he was born less than a month ago, so we had a beautiful home birth and I just yeah, I think hacks made me really strong. I can do anything now. I can have a baby at home. <laughs> I can Yeah. Yeah. Now, was uh, did you have to do anything different because you had you were with child uh, while you were shooting, like not doing the stunts, the crazy stunts, obviously, since you're carrying. You know, I don't know how people will feel about it, but I still did crazy stunts while carrying um, because I have a mixed martial arts background. Okay. I felt pretty confident in my ability to yeah to be myself, even though I was with child. I mean, I did it even more safely and again that just speaks to how safe uh the walking dead universe sets are because i you know i just i i I guess i can i it would be a spoiler but there's some really sick moves coming up yes next um three episodes so yes (laughs) very exciting and yeah with baby (laughs) Ooh, wow. wow! Yeah, I saw the preview of of uh, episode nine, and and I'm sure episode ten is going to be insane because you know there's a lot of death in the Walking Dead universe. So you know, I'm just yeah, I have, and I have, I have my, I'm I'm praying for I'm I'm hoping for that some of my characters make it out. I, that that's and you're one of them. You're one I, of them. I had I had Jadis on my tail, so yeah, I know. Yeah. It's tricky. I I so I had to do. I I did everything I could. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, these. The, yeah. These these very recent episodes have me on the edge of my seat, and I cannot wait to to see episode nine and ten. Um, for you AMC Plus subscribers, you get episode nine on Sunday, November twenty first, and um, episode ten, the final episode on November twenty eighth. So get AMC Plus. Oh yeah. That's very soon. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I know. I know. So are, so this is always looked at as a two two season limited series. Do you feel that this uh I guess I can't really phrase that without us being spoiling. Um in your opinion, could the show move on or do you feel that it's a finite end? Is it a finite end? It's been, I mean, it's going, it's been going back and forth. So yeah, you, I, I can't speak for that. Uh, I know there's open roads to continue the story in other ways. And so yes. we just have to live and see what happens. Yes. Live and see, literally live and survive. Of course, the walking dead continues in of course, the Rick Grimes movies, and of course, Fear the Walking Dead, and of course, there's also Tales from the Walking Dead. So there's up, all kinds of upcoming um, shows related to the Walking Dead. Yeah, so we hope to see uh, Annette and Huck in, <laughs> and maybe in some of those as well. But uh, in the meantime, wow, you thank you so much, uh, Annette. This is amazing uh, for talking to us here on BTB, Below the Belt Show. And I guess, are there any more dream roles left for you Annette I was curious uh yes this is just the beginning just the beginning I'm just like 
now ready That's, in a different kind of You've accomplished so much. <laughs> Is there a particular <laughs> genre that you, you, you need to mark off your list? Marvel, Star Wars, or anything oh, of that nature? Yes, it's, it's all up for grabs. I, yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm up for anything. I, okay. I, I love it all. It just. Can you tell it? Have you, have you, have you read for a Marvel or DC character? You've had to audition I've, by now. Yeah, reading for all kinds of things. Okay. So let's <laughs> see what you know, what shakes out. Yeah. Yes. I know you have been great in Black Widow. Thank you for your enthusiasm and your love thank you. and enjoying this all. This is what, what keeps us doing what we do best. Yes, you're incredible on that. Thank you so much. Thanks thank for you. a great interview on BTB. And before we let you go, if you could do a promo, let us know who you yeah. are. And you can throw out, you know, Jennifer Huck from uh, World Beyond and let us know you're on Below the Belt show. Okay. Hey, I'm Annette Mahindra. I play Huck, a.k.a. Jennifer Malik, and I'm on Below the Belt show. Nice. Can you throw out, uh, like, a catchphrase in the Huck voice? What's up, everybody? This is Jenny from the blog, and CRM is in the house tonight. Yes. Nice. Jenny from the block. I love that. I don't know what I just did. I love it. I'm going to say some things I'm going to regret, possibly, but well. <laughs> you're on a great show. I trust you. Thank you. Yeah, we had your uh, co star, um, Alexa Mansour, on um, oh, during season right. one. So. That's my homegirl right there. Yeah. That's, uh, we're happy to, to continue that. Uh, that uh, tradition of having a uh, Walking Dead World Beyond on here on Below the Belt show. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, we got to take a photo op. So let's go ahead and uh, three, two, one. We're doing a snapshot. Okay. Three, two, one. I think I moved too much. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we could do like a more. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's great. Perfect. Okay. Good. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Thank you so much for that. It's awesome. Thank you. Good to have see you. Have a good night. Bye bye. All right, and then Andrew. Wow, that was whew, that was amazing. So that was great. We haven't. Thank you. Thank you for 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 checking it out. But we haven't talked WWE in so long, and the reason why is I hadn't had a co-host to talk WWE with really? because none of my current co-hosts watch wrestling anymore, except for you, Paul. So Man. I don't really have a lot prepared, but I just I really wanted to talk about. How the Fires. WWE is releasing talent and the latest list just really, it honestly just pisses me off. Why have they dropped so much amazing talent already in August and, and prior to August? We, last time we were on, we were talking about Bray Wyatt. And now yep. let's read the list of the latest talents to be let go from WWE. Includes Keith Lee. Maya Yim, who, who is uh, Keith Lee's um, wife, oh. I believe. Oh, is his wife? Okay. Nia Jax, who's The Rock's cousin. That one I saw coming, though, because she had a couple incidents where she hurt people. Yeah. And, right. You know I mean? Eva Marie. Eva was just hired back and already decided yep. to... I mean, like, she was already getting really good he heel heat. And you release her? It's just insane. Like, he had a storyline coming up, and they canceled a story, fired him right before a storyline. Keith Lee, it's just, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. Okay, let's continue. Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux. 
They brought Karrion Cross to the main roster, who was dominating NXT. Yep. His wife Scarlett's absolutely beautiful. They don't bring Scarlett to the main roster, and Karrion just doesn't do well in the main roster, and they release him. Like, what the yep. fuck is going on? All right, so Grand Metalik and Lynn Dorado, I mean, that's the, well, they the asked house party. Yeah, well, they said they hired him. I don't, they think, wanted to go. I don't think that's a big loss. Neither is Harry Smith. Actually, or, Harry Smith, I think, is a big loss because he was really good in New Japan. And they never they, they hyped him they, up. They were going to do something with the NXT UK. And then they yes. were like, oh, shoot, we don't have NXT UK. And so they were going to bring him on the main roster. And they could have used him. I think he would have been a good wrestler for them because, I mean, he was yeah. dominant. And, New Japan. So it's like, it just makes no sense just to not use him at all. Just use yeah. him and see what he has. Absolutely. Um, of course, uh, Ember Moon. So this one was really surprising. Ember Moon has made uh, an impact both on NXT and the main roster. Uh, I Is know she, she had an injury. She had an injury and then she came back, but sadly they, they released her. I'm not familiar with Trey Baxter, Jesse Camilla, Jeet Rama. Zeta Ramirez and Katrina Cortez. Uh, I don't know if they're developmental or NXT that just. Um, well, what about what about John Morrison? So that that's a- the that's the name I wanted to get to next. So John Morrison is the biggest um, surprise. Actually, actually, next to Keith Lee yeah. and Karrion Cross, I just don't understand why they would release John. He is a phenomenal worker. He him and Miz have been like TV gold. Yeah, when they, they reunited Miz, when they reunited Miz and Morrison with some of the most entertaining um, segments, the whole drip stick and all that stuff, Johnny Drip yep. Drip was funny as hell. And sadly, also his wife Frankie Monet, Tara Valkyrie, was also yep. released. Tara, I mean, you know, Frankie, eh, I don't know. I mean, she's she's a great worker, but I don't know. I, I you know, I but I think still, it's yeah, like still just keep on NXT and then kind of. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really, really disappointed about John Morrison. All right, let's talk about this faction. You bring this faction to SmackDown, and you release every single member. I'm well, just, I know what you're talking right. about. So it's B-Fab, Brianna Brandy. She was first initially released. Then later on, released Top Dollar, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Ashante the Adonis. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. But I heard Why the reason they, they did that. I heard the reason they did that is top dollar. They wanted to be a big star, but somehow he had some backstage heat. And because he had the backstage heat, they were like, hey, let's just get rid of him. And when they got rid of him, they just were like, let's just dump everybody else. It's a shame. But I mean, that's what it sounds like happened. I mean, so top they... dollar was the one that they were going to push to the moon and the rest of them were just going to kind of go going to be there with him. And then I guess when they, they, when he had the backstage heat, they were like, hey, let's just get rid of all of them, which is just stupid. I'm just, I'm trying to understand why, because the, you I know. I think the mistake was they hired they that say budget. They say budget reasons, Big Paul, but like, WWE is making plenty of money. Yeah, well, the problem is they hired that con guy who's just all about, like, the money thing. And right. he has no clue about wrestling. And he's not communicating with the people who are actually writing the stories. So I think that's what's hurting it, because there's guys that have storylines that are coming up or storylines are going on and he fires them before the storylines are concluded. So I think he's he's the one who should be fired because he's the one who's causing the problems and he's going to hurt the WWE's ratings in the long run. As you mentioned, there's, there's a con in there's Nick Khan in AEW and then Tony Khan in WWE, correct? 
No, Tony Khan's in AEW. Nick Khan's the one that needs to be fired. Nick Khan. Okay. Yeah. Nick Khan's the one who Vince yeah. has handling the budget thing. And I think he's a moron. He does not know what he's doing. You need to get yeah. actual real wrestling people in there to do stuff. I mean, promote Paul Heyman. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he could have, he made something out of ECW when he had no money whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's complete so, I mean, horseshit, it, man. Complete horseshit. And let's talk about. Uh, another one that I'm I'm really upset about, and one of my, f- she's gorgeous. She's a great worker. Granted, she was plagued by injuries. Tegan Knox released from her yeah, contract, and and she was yeah, teaming up was. with um, Shotzi Blackheart, and they released her too. And I'm just so upset because like they released like er- the earlier round of releases. The one of the shocking releases was the Iconics because I thought they were fantastic, yeah. and they got rid of them. And now Tegan Knox has, has been released too. So I'm just. I'm just not understanding it. And of course, the list I mean, rounds out. I think, I think they're trying to do it by by budget, but it's like they're not giving people enough chance to prove themselves. Right. And right. and that's going to wind up hurting them. But then again, Tony Khan signing too many people, so that's going to hurt AEW too. So I don't know if they're just trying to get Tony Khan to sign everybody and then run them into WCW territory. Yeah. Or... I mean, it has. It has worked out for some people for, for like Ruby Riot, for instance. Now Ruby Soho. Yeah, I think so, that's a good John Moxley, yeah. I think that helped him because Yeah, I mean, it's helped them to go to AEW, but sucked. It's like whoever came up yeah. with that like weird but there's, gonna thing be, the, there's gonna be some people that are gonna get lost in the shuffle AEW, you know? They they're not gonna be able to handle the the influx of former WWE stars on their roster, you know? Yeah, um, I mean they did good with Mira too, but I mean it's like as I said, there's you're right. There's too many people that they're just going to get buried, just kind of like what happened with WCW and WCW signed everybody. Yeah, and we have a couple more names on the list of recent releases. Jackson Riker, so he was just that put one? together. In, yeah, he was put together in a program with Elias recently, right? Yeah, and I thought that, thought that was a good program. I don't know why they did that. And if you would think if they were to fire him, they would have fired him way beforehand because of the controversy yeah. before. I yeah. mean, they fired out you guys first, but I mean, it's like still you would thought he would have been the first one to go just because he had a backstage controversy. But it's right. Like, but I mean, if you just I don't understand it. I, I think it is. As I said, I think it just comes down to dollars. And I think that that's the mistake they're making, because now by firing those guys, you're going to cost your company more dollars because less people are going to people are going to tune out. And I think that's just a major that's mistake, thing, man. Huge mistake. And of course, we have Shane Thorne, another uh, a talent that had been yeah. released. Now, this talent really kind of breaks my heart the, the last last name on this list of recent oh, i know releases. exactly what you're talking about you, you know what i'm talking before. about so this is drake maverick uh, drake maverick uh begged on social media in a video uh and, and cried about losing his job when he was initially released hunter came out triple h came out handed him a new contract for nxt i'm like okay he's got the new contract are they honoring the new contract then i find out that he was released because I did see him on the main roster on yeah. Raw, and then I was thinking, what the hell, dude? Like you, you, you just released the guy. You just gave, gave you released the guy once. You, you give him a new contract, and, and then, then you, you know, get, and then yeah. you get rid of him again. It's like, I just. I mean, I, anything, I'm, anything is with him is his size. I, I don't think. I think he would. He's one of the guys who I think would be driving a team like a like the AEW because. AEW is geared to more the small, more athletic type than WWE. If that makes sense. It, well, I think in some regards, I mean, you got like the Finn Balor's. Like him would like. You got I mean, the Ricochets. Like, you know. Like Neville, 
didn't know they didn't know what to do with Neville. Well, I mean, so he, the thing is, in some cases, but I think they want to keep a few of those guys on the roster, like like Ricochet, like um, yeah. Rey Mysterio, what, like you yeah, know. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricochet's the next one to get fired because they really yeah. don't have any for him to go up against. It's like yeah, I mean, so you I, had you know, Ricochet, one but, of the things that I'm really like so they have actually gotten rid of major main event level talent like Keith Lee, um, yeah. who potentially is main event. Uh, carrying cross heck even john morrison was like a top mid carter yeah he was a main event guy on like other companies so it's like right. he came from he was exactly a, i, I so don't know was, what they're doing dude because you got wrestlemania season coming up you got the goddamn royal rumble coming up where you have to put 30 superstars in the ring both men and women and they, you're releasing do you have enough talent to have thirty, you know, uh, men or and women for the role. Yeah, and, and it's not like they don't. Want, and they have three shows. It's not like you don't have three shows. You can put these yeah. people on. You know what I mean? I mean, I like the. I, I think what NXT is what it should have been all along. It should have been like, hey, let's not take a champion from someplace else and put young people, or even like older people who are inexperienced, and train them and then move them up. That should be like a minor league for the WWE. I think that's the best way for NXT, and that's how it should have been. Instead of putting like Samoa Joe and those guys on there, they wanted it to be the third, the third brand, you know. Yeah, and I, I think until, that was a mistake. Until NXT. now, well, they're back. They're back now for it to being a. But, that, but know, that's what it's small. been all along. Yeah. You shouldn't have had like all their talent. Well, actually, yeah. you forgot about one talent that got released. Okay. You Who did that You've got a Adam. Well, he didn't get released, but he didn't resign with him as Adam Cole because. Well, yeah, Adam Cole gonna... did. The, he wanted to leave. I mean, his his girlfriend is Britt Baker, and I'm sure he would have been. Uh, well, well, you yeah. heard why, right? He was going to well, be. They wanted to make him just a mouthpiece for Keith Lee. He was going to be Keith Lee's manager. He wasn't going to wrestle, and that that's why he left. I didn't hear about that one. I, I yeah, find I heard that crazy. That's what I heard. I heard that a couple places, and it's like if you're just going to. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah, it's like that's a stupid role for him. I, he's I a talented make... actor. He doesn't have the big size that Vince likes. Because Vince likes the big guys, which is why the fuck, if he loves the big guys, get rid of he, Braun he. Strowman. Braun Strowman, right. freaking uh, Bray Wyatt are two big guys that can work. And right. they're, they're the prototype WWE guys, but you're going to release those two talents? Now, Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman, I would agree with just because they overpaid him. They paid him a million dollars per year, which I think is too much for Braun Strowman. Then negotiate a new contract with him, man. That, you know, I think, they, I think that's what they should have done. I think they should have just said, "Hey, we're paying you too much money. We can't afford it. Let's renegotiate." I think that's what they should have done with Braun Strowman instead of just releasing him. Or maybe they did behind the scenes, and he was like, "No." So I mean, yeah. Well, what about Bray Wyatt? Bray Wyatt, I don't know. I think that was just a dumb mistake. I think they they screwed that one up. But they ruined his character right off the bat too. You can't like you make the fiend seem like he's unbeatable, and then he loses like two big matches. So it's like yeah, Goldberg. They, the same thing squash Bray, match with Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, and they did the same thing to Bray Wyatt before when he was Bray Bray Wyatt. So it's like they they just kind of ruined him. It's like they well, apparently they like some small guys, Big Paul. Because I'm reading here that WWE wants to um, re-sign Kyle O'Reilly because um, uh, apparently his contract might be coming to an end soon. Um, so, um, and they got Tommaso Ciampa as, the, as their NXT champion. You know, he's, again, another phenomenal worker. That's a little see, on the smaller I side. Think, I, I think he should be moved up to the main roster. He's been on NXT. Yeah, for that's the thing. Some people go to the main roster and they get their walking papers. So, 
Okay, if they're I mean, doing I, fine I, I in NXT. I think if he's been there so long, I think he should just come up the main roster and see what he has. I mean, it's like just keeping him on NXT. Well, I mean, whether he likes it or not, it's like it's not his. I yeah. I'm just really against how they the WWE can just release people from their contracts. You know, a contract should be binding, in my yep. opinion. Well, when, I think when the contract ends, when the contract ends, if they don't want to renew it, you know, the, at least the, the talent has time to prepare, you know? But you know, when for I whatever, had that contract you know, for WCW, crazy. here's the thing. It was like, like you're an independent contractor. So you're not under a contract. You just can't work for anybody else if you want to work for that company. So technically right. you have a contract, but you're not a set contract. It's not a guaranteed right. contract. Right. So it's like you're, you work for as long as they want you to work and you can't work for anybody else. If you want to work there, if not, you, you could see, you could just hit a leave. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, um, I don't know. Um, AEW, you know, I, I'm a little behind on AEW. I still have it, um, to catch up on it, but, um, you know, they, I mean, WWE's loss is AEW's gain and, They've been doing great with Daniel Bryan. You know what? I think, honestly, I think the one that's going to make out the best, I mean, AEW is too crowded right now. I think Impact's going to wind up pretty being pretty good. And I think um, maybe some of the indies and maybe, um, well, what is the other one? Um, well, I know ROH, they they released all their talent from their contract, so they won't well, be no, they, they're, they're still, like, under contract, but they're not under contract. They're, right. like, they're guaranteed contracts. So it's, like... If you want to work for somebody else, you can work for somebody else, and then, but but we're they're not guaranteeing. Lots yeah. Of so, well, anyways, I think that uh, brings our wrestling discussion to a, right. a, a very. Um, it is a shame that they've got. I mean, you're right. It's it's just heartbreaking though. Like because if people get invested in these stars and they leave, it's like that's going to cost you fans. Who cares? I mean, the bottom because you're going to cost yourself the bottom line by doing that. Yeah. When you're trying to save money, it just kind of somebody needs to go. Go to Nikon and say, hey, this is a mistake. Or like maybe eventually be like, hey, uh, you're not working out. This is not going to help the company in any way. Right. And find somebody who knows what they're doing. I mean, it's like, yeah. I'm not saying there's not dead weight on the, the WWE books because there is, but. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was wrestling, Paul. I know wrestling's near and dear to your heart, but we always yeah, end the they, show. They need, to, they need to add some more people, I think. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but as you people, know, having more people back in, so yeah, exactly. But as you know, we always end with rest in pieces. So here we go with those that are no longer with us. Of course, you mentioned a little earlier in the program, Stephen Sondheim, the dominant voice in American musical theater uh, in the second half of the 20th century, um, and the composer with the most Tony Awards has sadly passed away at the age of 91. Um, and we mentioned earlier they did that uh, dedication for him at the West Side Story premiere. And, of course, I mentioned Lin-Manuel Miranda mentioned how impactful um, Stephen Stonheim was to Tick, Tick, Boom, both as an actor, because he provided the voicemail of of his actual self <laughs> in the movie. And in addition, in addition, also... Um, uh, was actually just in contact with uh, Lynn Manuel Randa. Uh, no way. Uh, like one week, yeah, one week before he sadly passed away, which is crazy. Um, but then yeah, again, Bradley Whitford did an incredible show. Uh, Stephen Sondheim will be uh, definitely missed. He's on the he's on the Broadway icon, um, and can bear uh, can and being a Broadway icon, um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. All right. Um, we also lost stuntman and actor Tommy Lane. 
who appeared in films including Live or Let Die, Shaft, um, his daughter Kamala, which is not Kamala Harris, uh, reported that he died. <laughs> after I was long, like, that would be a <laughs> that would be twist. something, right? Yeah, uh, died after a long bout of COPD. Um, and this is a 1973 Bond film, Live or Let Die, and he played Adam, one of Kananga's henchmen who chases Roger Moore in a speedboat. Oh, man. Um, we also lost Lou Cattell, prolific character actor known for portraying proctologist Dr. Asman Cooperman on Seinfeld. <laughs> you remember? Are we a Seinfeld fan, Big Paul? Um, uh, yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, he's also Big Larry in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, Dr. Brainerd in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And oh. Abe on Grey's Anatomy. Sadly, had passed away. What's that? It kind of seems like most of his roles were as a doctor. Yeah, he was kind of like the tight cast as a doctor, which is not a bad thing, man. You know, what? not a bad thing at all. Especially with all the medical shows out there. Exactly, right? Rest in peace. Um, Air Arlene Dahl. She is um, a redheaded actress who starred in films such as My Wild Irish Rose, Slightly Scarlet, and Journey to the Center of the Earth. And Sally passed away at the age of 96. Um, David Goldpillil, the actor who lit up the screen in the 71 debut film Walkabout, um, also recently starred in a biographical documentary about his remarkable life. He's Australian. Um, also, a Virgil Abloh, um, he's the men's artistic director of Louis Vuitton, um, sadly passed away at the young age of 41 due to a private battle with cancer um so rest in peace and of course the victims of the senseless wakisha wisconsin um christmas parade um to the six people that that was just just a horrible act of terror um my god i i hope they pursue um the harshest extent of the law to i think they should i mean to be honest with you i mean People are trying to defend the guy it's like you can't defend that i mean it's like well he claims mental illness but um, yeah, I mean, you're a ter- once a terrorist, always a terrorist, right? Um, yep. I mean, just look at his uh, Twitter feed. I mean, he had some crazy sick stuff on his Twitter feed, so he wasn't he wasn't the best guy to. Right. Yeah. And of course, with death we celebrate life. Uh, Lindsay Lohan announced her engagement to Bader Shamas, who's a banker, so he's not in the entertainment industry. Um, dated for two years since Lindsay met him in Dubai. Uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting pairing Um, of course with death we celebrate life for those uh, celebrating their birthday today on wednesday december 1st uh woody allen you either love him or hate him um he's 86 today um bet midler actress extraordinaire 76 today um sarah silverman love sarah silverman happy birthday sarah silverman's 51 yeah, David Hornsby from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Happy birthday. He's 46 today. Um, actor Riz Ahmed, Rogue One, Star Wars Story, and many, many other uh, shows and films. 39 today. Singer-actress Janelle Monáe is 36. And the wonderful and talented Zoe Kravitz from the Divergent movies from um oh my gosh she's been in a ton of stuff um zoe kravitz um happy birthday i have a question is monet related to lisa 
No, that's Bonet. Never mind. That's Lisa Bonet. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is really Lisa Bonet. Is her daughter, but I mean, I, I thought maybe yeah. I was like, that would be weird if they're like. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Zoe Kravitz <laughs> is the daughter of Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. Yeah. Uh, and Zoe uh, got to party with her a couple times, both at Sundance and at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. She's a complete sweetheart. Great talent. Um, pretty cool. Really, really cool sweetheart. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Big Paul, we'd like to thank, of course, um, our panelists. Of course, um, a little earlier in the program, Victor Dobro from Walking Dead World Beyond. And he's going to be in the upcoming HBO's HBO's uh, We Own the City. Did you also, work on I did work on it. I did. I did two days. As did I. Yeah. I knew you did a ton more. Um, it was a great <laughs> set to work on. My, those, my, days yeah, were very, my days were very short on that set um but uh i'd like to thank of course vincent eisenson vinnie mack actor extraordinaire thank you uh for joining the co-host panel um of course i i understand that he wanted to leave because of wrestling because he doesn't watch wrestling so totally understandable vince and of course our special watching (laughs) i don't know there's not really new fans you gotta have to start in the beginning i don't know that's just my opinion um, of course, actor extraordinaire Tony Winters. My God, over seventy-five, awesome. over seventy-five films and TV credits to his name. Um, check him out in the National Champions feature film. Um, all right, on behalf of myself, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, and Paul Darth Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. We will see you guys next week. Until yeah. then, peace. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.